Welcome back to He's Abroad, back from a little hiatus. This is Jason here in Brooklyn, joined as always by John, who is abroad in New Zealand. What's up, John? Doing good. Uh, lots of good. lots of holiday chores around the house. Doing a lot of painting, which is painting is one of those things. It's all it's awful lot like cooking, where like the preparation of like getting all the stuff out and doing all that is like the it takes arguably the most amount of time to get like prepped to do it and then when you do it it's really fun but then like it's the prep of like p- taping stuff off and covering up furniture and trying not to get paint on the carpet like all of that stuff takes more time than the actual end result of like rolling the paint right so but yeah doing good uh finally getting my office painted finally finally moving along uh so yeah we'll get there that's the nice thing about owning your own house you uh you can take your time if you don't do it nobody else cares <laughs> so <laughs> Brit Brittany sent me a message. Uh, she's getting a lot of work done on her house. Uh, she's also a recent homeowner, and she's uh, she's doing work in the bathroom. So she sent me this picture in progress, and I was like, "Oh, nice." So John's doing some painting right now in his house, and uh, and she said this, uh, "Nice." I think painting is fun and easy as far as home projects go. And then she added this little note: "When you're not pregnant, yeah. that is." So hey, you're not pregnant. So that's. Uh, do you agree? Is it is it a is it an easy and fun home project it is it's also a bit of a skill like paint around the edges and stuff like that like it depends on how how much of a perfectionist you are with painting right like i would say i'm somewhere in the middle right like there's small little things i'm looking up at my ceiling now and it's like ah you know the taping of the edges wasn't perfect that doesn't bother me because how often do you stare up at the corner of your ceiling where the molding meets the the wall right (laughs) so it's like for me that's not a big of an issue but for some people, it's got to be perfect. And that's where painting can become a real pain. So it depends, really. I would never be a professional painter. I've got a lot of respect for professional painters who are able to do like entire houses in a day. Like that's a lot of skill to get right, tape it off perfectly. Like all the stuff that like if I hired someone to do this paint job, I'd be like, yo, you didn't tape this off properly. You need to go back in here and touch this up. But it's me. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, it's fine. Have you have you heard uh, Bill Burr's rant against? Painters? I have. I heard that during the pandemic, quite, and the painters were very upset. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a it's a difficult it's a it's a job that anyone can it's do. It's great, but I think it's a difficult job to do perfect. Like really good house painters are worth their money, but because I'm kind of like, well, this is part of the fun of owning your first home is doing stuff like this. Now, if this was my third or fourth home, and it was a bigger home i totally would pay someone to paint all the walls i'd be like here are the colors i want go buy the paint do it in an afternoon and then uh i pay you and it's perfect and if it's not perfect i can come back in here and say hey you see this corner where you dripped a bit of paint on my carpet clean it up like yeah (laughs) painting painting like most jobs i've often described my job as this as well this is not an original thought as it's uh you know it's dana gould who came up with the analogy and i basically apply it to everything which is, uh, it's like playing the drums. Anybody can play the drums, but you don't want anybody to play the drums, yeah. right? It's the it's one of the few instruments that you could literally walk up to and start making and start banging away at and making noises, and you're like, I'm playing the drums. It's like technically you are, yeah, and you can do, yeah. That. I mean, th- I think that's most, but you, but you there are, there are people who should and people who should. I mean, not. there's that's most things. I would say most things in life, right? Exactly, you can do. 
now doing it well is different from just yeah like again like maybe fixing a car or something like that is something that you still need to have quite a bit of expertise to do right programming programming is not something you could just I, do. but at the same time i would argue you need to I would learn argue it. that most people can program if you spent a week at a course right right but i'm not talking about that Talking about anything that you can do without With any, any prior, prior knowledge. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's different. So you need a bit of, but again, but it's not much though, right? Like the overhead of most things isn't high. But right, but painting, you literally dip a yes. brush in, brush it on. It's idiot proof to just do that. But it's also very easy to mess up. And I could tell you, I I it would drive me crazy. I would have to get very precise with it. Um, but I'm looking around my apartment walls right now, which I did not paint. Um, and um and it's never bothered me. But I could tell that the paint job was yeah. awful. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. it is awful. It's a terrible paint job. And not only that, the, this paint job is so shitty. And I've been living here for 10 years now that or more. it'll be like 11 years actually in, in the summer. But it, it's so bad that they, they just straight up painted over doorknobs. Oh, uh, yeah. It just did not. <laughs> Apartment. Care. Like yeah, this is yeah. this is like the one of the worst paint jobs ever. But it, I'm I'm basically in somebody else's property. Yes, so it's like whatever. Like I'm looking I'm looking at these cracks right now between my between the like this windowsill that I have right now. I'm like, whatever. It doesn't bother me. It, it, if anything else, it adds character. But I also know that that just came as it was. And this was also like $275 or however much it was less than the other apartment I was looking at in the building when that wasn't available. So I'm like, whatever, it's going to be beat up a little bit and uh, and we'll live with it. And honestly, I did. It doesn't bother me. But if I was doing it at the time, every little misstreak would drive me. Well, it's interesting. There's two things, right? I would say anyone right now in their house, look around and you're going to see imperfections, right? Period. Whether you own it or not. So I think that's something I've learned very quickly is the very first couple of weeks, it was every single thing, right? Every single thing and imperfection I wanted to fix. Gave that about a month. And then you're like, you know, <laughs> that's fine for now. <laughs> like, if it's not leaking or if it's not some major type of structural damage, for the most part, I get to it. And there's a good chance I might even forget about it. So, yeah, it's interesting. I think when you first buy a house, especially your first home, I was overly picky about everything, right? And I would say now, as you're in it, it's like, yeah, you know, the wall wasn't perfectly smooth in my office when I painted it. The very first time I painted it, I went through and sort of was replacing, you know, like putting drywall in new areas and completely plastering over trying to make it smooth. Now, ah, it's okay. <laughs> it's good enough. So, yeah, I think that's, yeah. So, I would say you're probably right when you're saying if you bought a house, you would the very first week or month or even some people a year, right? You'd be very particular about everything. The longer you live there, the the less it bothers you. Yeah. Well, uh, happy Easter, by yes. the way, I guess I, I didn't because it's, it's Sunday. It is, there. It is Easter so Sunday. Got, here. Yeah. So we're a little time box here. So I'm assuming that company that's coming over is for Easter. So, uh, some yes and no, it's, uh, friends of Alice's who are coming by. Hadn't seen in a while. So yes, I need to make sure that we do not have a two hour podcast, that it is a hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> so Got it. Just a bunch of just a bunch of Jews, bunch of uh, New Zealand Jews coming by on a on a regular Sunday for them. <laughs> I'm assuming that's yeah, what's happening. Sh- sure. I don't know how many. I think we did this before. I think there's like a thousand Jews in New Zealand. Yeah, there's not a lot. There's a couple. I mentioned I mentioned to my team in Lithuania that I mean I mentioned to you yesterday, but yeah, that I said, yeah, I hope everybody had a good Passover weekend. You know, in jest, because I knew there weren't any Jews on the team. But I didn't realize that they were just going to say, what is that? 
<laughs> like that's that's another that is just wild. So you know, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, look, I started off Passover right. Okay, Passover. This this is why we didn't record last week. You were busy Friday night. I couldn't do any other night uh, because I was. Uh, I, I went to the family for uh, for Passover, mm. and and I started it off right. Okay, Sunday morning Passover. It's uh, you know my my mom is there. My my sister and and uh, and my niece and new newly born nephew. Who's uh, who's adorable? You know, he's still in that um, old Asian man phase of uh, being a baby. And congratulations uh, to but, your, you know, to your you sister. You slowly get out. Congratulations to her. She's not, she's not listening. But I'll pass, pass along. And uh, oh, you got it. But you know, you, you, he's at the brink where you're just crossing over out of the old Asian man phase to um, to like actual, you know, cute baby phase. So you know, it's good. And. Uh, and I made uh, so so started off Passover making uh, making some pancakes and bacon because you know what that's that's a good breakfast everybody's on board no one really cared I, uh, I I made sure to open up the options I did look up a recipe for a kosher for Passover uh, pancake and it calls for matzah meal but it also calls for baking powder so I'm like this stuff is rising anyway I don't think I don't think there's a way to make uh, a kosher Passover pancake that doesn't violate that's either one. Good. I was about to say or that's two, the first qu- actual follows. I was going to say that's the first qualifier for you is good. Yeah, it's like yeah, you yeah. can make so, one, but it's not going to taste good. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I now the thing that people do make on Passover is matzah brai, which is basically like a like a matzah omelet, and that's some bullshit. It's no, I'm not 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 doing it. Refuse to. So it was good. Now there was a request. From my uh, from my niece, who's now who turned three in March, for she she loves Mickey Mouse, right? So a request for Mickey Mouse pancakes, and I don't know if it actually came from her or if it was just something that my sister asked me to do for her. That's fine. Though. I get the request, I'll give it a shot. Dude, I suck at making. I, I can't even make circles consistently really? with pancakes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a little surprised by that, given how often you've made pancakes. I figured you'd have the pouring and the size and the shape down. Yeah, I just, it's just not, I don't. And depending on the batter will depend on how easy it is, right? Like I made my, uh, I'm just going to straight up say it. I, I think, I think these matcha mochi pancakes that I, that I've uh, concocted, they are my favorite pancakes straight up. So that batter though is like thick. It's like somewhere between a pancake batter and a cookie batter, right? So it's really easy to work with. So that easy, I can make uh, I can make uh, circles, no problem. Um, and if I'm making one pancake at a time, like I would on a cast iron, sometimes depending on how big I want them, then yeah, it's pretty easy. You know, you get a pour, you get on the middle, you just let it spread out. Um, but if it's like kind of a looser batter and you're trying to get them on a square pan and it's like edges over a little bit, it's a little hard. It's a little tough. So I did the, so, you know, so I, so I had to do it. I put, put the batter in the bag to do the bag method. You know, you put the batter in the bag, cut off a corner and you basically squeeze out I believe out that's called piping. No, I, I think, see, I don't know if it's piping. If I don't know if you require a piping bag. No, I think if you get any bag and you cut a hole at the bottom of it, it, it whether it's a plastic bag, it doesn't matter. I think it's piping. I think that, that practice. Okay, fair good. enough. So that's what. So that's what I did. And I, uh, did I pull it off? Kind of. I mean, I was able to make three, three small Mickey Mouse pancakes for her. 
She said that she identified them as Mickey Thank Mouse. You. So I guess I guess it wasn't that bad. But um, you know, they tasted great. I mean, can't so you can't you also buy a mold? I know that's cheating, but there's gotta be a mold, Not right? There's gotta be like a Mickey Mouse thing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that. You could get um I don't know what it would be made of, but I guess there's nothing wrong with if you had like a because there's probably a cookie cutter, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like a Mickey Mouse cookie cutter. So you, you could probably use that as any mold. Yeah. Like there's definitely cake the first pans one in there. And you stuff let that for... cook for a little bit and then you, you take it off. Yeah, the I'm on way. Amazon and there's enough. definitely you can do it with right. There's egg. There's one here. There's an egg mold. There's some Mickey Mouse cookie cutters. There's Mickey Mouse omelet shapes. So yeah, yeah, you can absolutely do this. You can there's a Mickey Mouse waffle iron as well waffle waffle maker for mickey mouse shapes so yeah it's possible uh let's see how good of an uncle you are if you buy one of these and you start making some real legit mickey mouse pancakes don't you don't you think it would be more appreciative if i did it myself and actually like put some love with the deformity it's like look you got it you got a mickey mouse with one lopsided ear no 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 and i'm surprised i mean mickey mouse is one of those timeless things like the mouse is strong if your niece is a big fan of mickey mouse we haven't moved on from. oh yeah are you kidding she watches this show her favorite show is that it she the Mickey watches Mouse Club is Mickey's. Of course, yeah. It is. You know I, I'm aware of it. <laughs> Why? Why are you there's aware? A, there's of a it? podcast I listen to. People got a bunch of kids, and they and they and it's the Mickey Mouse Funhouse or Clubhouse. Sorry, this yeah. this show, this show, it's basically the same structure as like um, as like a Dora the Explorer, yes. right? Like you have something happens at the beginning you have a start and it's like causes a conflict they need to resolve the conflict they have a bunch of tools to do it you get the kids to say that's the tool to do it and then and then you did it and then the show's over it's like 10 to 15 minutes long i think something like that and it's probably about five minutes of actual original content in each episode while the rest of it is the same songs they do every single episode and i've seen a lot of them so you hear this thing and you think you're going crazy because you've basically seen the same thing over and over and over and over again. Like, no joke, the amount of voice acting needed for each of these characters is probably about an hour's time. Because it's all just repeated. You can just cut it together and yeah. an audio engineer could recreate a million of... I mean, you could probably machine learn these episodes, right? Like, if you really want to be... <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Which is terrifying, you, right? you have... They, they solve the problem. And then they have, and then they sing this song where they sing like, like the hot dog song, like hot dog, hot, hot dog, hot dog. diggity yeah. dog. Like that's, <laughs> that's the song they sing. And that song lasts like a minute, <laughs> like no joke. And it's always the same. It's always in the same place. Cause they're always back at the clubhouse. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's crazy and it's not good. 3d animation no like it doesn't have to be good. It's like bad. i said you can probably but that's yeah. all kids 3d animation it's all like they never really got past the beast wars level of 3d No, because again you can kind of you can kind of make a set of you know you can make a set of motions and things and you can pump out mm-hmm. episodes you can pump them out it wouldn't take long so you're right about the machine learning thing. Like I'm sure. No, that, that's where we're headed for a lot of this stuff. Like it's just going to be you're going to be able to pump out repetitive content. And look, kids, the way that their brains are formed, repetitive things are they're very addicting, right? Um, like it's super addicting for you just to watch the same thing over and over and over again as a kid. So it's very interesting. Yeah, that, that's where we're headed for like cartoons and things. Like that stuff's not going to take. It's going to make a ton of money, and it's not going to take a lot of effort. Yeah. Well, they're on Disney Plus, so if you really if you really want to check it out, there. you know where <laughs> yeah. you know where to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
quick update on the breakfast side of things. Made a regular waffle last Look at week. That. Just a That's regular, it. plain old, boring waffle. Haven't done it yet, and it followed up my. Did I mention the the chocolate waffle? How that turned out? I believe you did, but you can you can repeat it. Just just as a refresher, it was yeah. fine. It was very it was very heavy. It was like more like cake. It was very cakey, you know. So it did, didn't turn out as good as I was hoping it would. And then uh, so, but I did make a vanilla sauce, which obviously makes everything better. And I used that and a matcha sauce that I made for the plain waffle, which was quite good. So solid Belgian waffle, straight up. That concluded my four weeks in a row of getting value out of the waffle iron I bought. And then today I was back there to pancakes. Go. So there you go. A little bit of an update. Now then, let's move on to some news. What do you say? All right. So I got three stories. And the third one, I'm going to basically, I'm going to save. I'm going to for sure make this third one the last one because it's going to be a hybrid. It's a little long. But it's interesting, and it's a cross between a little bit of the our, uh, our reddish, bluish, blackish, Jewish. So we'll save that for the for the end. And so I'll give you a choice of these other two. All right. So you have a choice of Ghost of Tsushima or Mice. Hmm. Let's do Mice first, and then Ghost of Tsushima. Okay. All right. This one's also kind of long, but. You know, we'll keep going and when eh, it's not too bad, actually, it's a lot of a lot of paragraphs, but it's like one sentence per paragraph. Mice first. I think that's a good idea. So here we go. Reading from, by the way, I got these ready for last week, so they're a little bit old, but not that old. Topical enough. Reading from NBC News. Worst mice plague I've ever seen. Mm. Millions of rodents descend on Eastern Australia. Oh, Have you heard? No, about this? I haven't. Oh, God. Okay, here we go. Then the the subtitle is another is a quote. They're all around the house. Every time you open a drawer, you're potentially going to find one. End quote. A man told NBC News. (laughs) Sydney, after one of its worst wildfire seasons and global pandemic, Australia is now facing its latest end of days challenge, a monumental plague of mice. Millions of rodents are running amok in parts of Australia's eastern states with residents sharing horror encounters on a daily basis. By the way, I'm going to I'll send you this link because there's some videos if you want to watch. I don't, to be honest. Uh, see, well, well, there, there you go. They're there if you want to. I, it's the option. You don't have to, but you can. With an epicenter in rural North South Wales, farmers have uploaded videos to social media of mice blanketing their land, damaging crops and taking up residents inside homes. Guy Roth, who works at a sprawling University of Sydney research farm near the, near the New South Wales town of Narabri, said mice had overtaken the property. Quote, I know we had two mice per square meter in our cropping paddocks on the peak. I don't know what paddocks are. So if I had, so if I have the math right, it's 20 million mice. That's more mice than the population of most big cities, end quote, he said. Yeah, a paddock is basically a fenced off area where you raise livestock. Okay. That's a lot of fucking mice. Roth said at one point he and his family were catching and disposing of around a hundred mice each day inside inside their house and offices. How would you? How do you think you define disposing of there? I mean, I, I'm a, I'm surprised. Yeah, I mean, like, where do you put them? Like disposing of? Yeah, like it's, oh, it's it's. I'm surprised. Yeah, I mean, keep reading because I I thought Australia was I, I thought Australia had things in place to deal with this, as in like terrifying wildlife. <laughs> but continue. 
This this sounds like this this one's getting to. Usually you seem unfazed by this, but this one seems like it's giving you I'm a bit of I'm not like mice and rodents are the things and they're the, <laughs> the, the, the they're the things I'm most afraid of, right? Like I'm not really afraid of bugs. Wow. I'm serious. I'm not really afraid of bugs. I'm not really afraid and I'll tell you I'll explain to you why once you finish why I'm I'm kind of definitely afraid of rodents. It's mice and rats specific. Like living in New York was rough for me because of the rats and the mice. Because I mean, I think every single building mm. has mice in it. Like you just can't. There's so many people, right? There's so much food, oh, and so like it's just part of it. But yeah, I wasn't a big fan. Of, yeah, I just can't. I can't do it. But yes, <laughs> there's a difference between not being a fan and just being well, like, that freaked out. I don't think anybody's like pro mice. Look, it's like yeah, no, but some people on. aren't. Like I'll tell you, like, <laughs> like I'll tell you a very, a very, very quick story. Um, right, like we've we've got a cat in here, right? There's a cat that, that lives in this sure. house. And the very first time that I actually saw the benefit, <laughs> the way you phrase that, <laughs> the way you phrase that's funny. We got this, this cat. This cat who lives who lives here, right? Not, not our not our cat. He just no, showed up one cool, day. But he's not. He's he's not. Let's put it this way: me and him get along. But he's not a. You, he's a. You accept each other. Yeah, he, I mean, cats are different, right? They just are. Where he's just kind of like you just live here and you feed me, and I let you pet me up to a point. But then if it's too much, I'll, I'll kind of take a swing at you and let you know to back off. And it's like, all right, cool. Like, he's not a – he's great. He's a cool cat. He hangs out. But he's not a let's sit here and let's pick you up and carry you around, right? He's not – it's not a dog. But anyways, right, in our old house, there apparently was a mouse. And the first time that you see the benefit of a cat, because this cat is a, is, a, is, a, is a monster when it comes to, like, murdering anything that moves. It's the fastest thing I've ever seen in my life how quick he is onto everything that moves. If there's something that twitches, he's in there. So he's like staring under the couch for like a day. I'm like, man, I was like, maybe this cat's just weird. <laughs> and then Al sends me a message and it's just like, there's a mouse. And like, we basically closed the door and we let him go to work. It was some John Wick style, like, like basically this mouse had to be terrified. <laughs> that mouse walked into the wrong house. Because this cat has been waiting all of its life to tear this thing limb from limb. And I mean, it was so happy when it finally caught this thing. I've never seen a cat more happy than when it actually got his hand on a real, live, breathing rodent. Um, And yeah, so that gave me a new affinity for cats. Because there's nothing in this house that's walking in here alive. Like, if you come into this house, it's Terror Dome. (laughs) It's it's pure madness and mayhem. You're You're done. You're done. I'm not. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. Like this cat is like, if you come in here, it's on, and I will hunt you until your dying days. Because this cat has no quit in it. It stared underneath that couch for like two days. It's just like I'm waiting for you to. Well, come. What else are you doing if you're a cat? So you have nothing, nothing else to nothing do. Nothing else. So yeah. So I'm surprised that Australia doesn't have means to solve this. But can, please finish the story, and we can we can I can explain right. more of my it, fear. It goes rooms. on. It's, it gets it. It goes on. So bear with me. He said the mice were eating the cotton crops as well as grain stored in silos. Roth, who had spent his whole life in regional and rural Australia, said this was, quote, the worst mice plague I've ever seen, end quote. Quote, they certainly smell. That's what that's what my memory of this is going to be. The smell. The smell of the dead mice in and around the house and the farm, end quote. While the health impact on humans has not been severe, there has been at least one report of the rare mouse-related illness – here we go. Lymphosotic? Lymphosotic choreomeningitis. And at least three people have been bitten by mice in New South Wales hospitals while they were admitted for non-mice-related issues. Yikes. 
you think if <laughs> that's like the check mark when you go in there. Are you here for mice related issues or non mice related issues? Non mice. Okay, great. <laughs> I didn't come in here for this. Anyway, a spokesperson for the state government health department, NSW Health, said these bites were minor and appropriate treatment has been provided. Quote, NSW health staff are responding with appropriate control measures, the spokesperson said, listening, listing measures including increased baiting and trapping, odor repellents, and blocking access. The spokesperson added, quote, the current mouse infestation across western NSW, I guess New South, South Wales, Wales, is a natural occurrence, end quote. What's causing the plague? Steve Henry conducts mice research with Australia's National Science Agency, the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization. Henry said the outbreak, which is of the non-native house mouse, is monumental and continues to have the severe economic and social effects. Quote, some farmers are giving up on summer crops because the mice have damaged them so severely so that this so that's essentially a total crop loss. And in some scenarios where farmers have managed to get the crops through to through to harvest, they've had it rejected because it's a full because it's full of mouse poo and quote, Jesus, it's a lot of a lot of mouse poo. But he said mice plagues can come around every five to 10 years in Australia due to a combination of factors. Quote, we've had a run of dry years and now the drought has essentially broken. You think? So the, so the, mice, get, so the mice get switched on to that change in environmental conditions and they start to breed. The farmers have had a good crop and that puts a lot of food into the system. So you've got favorable climate conditions, favorable, favorable food in the system, lots of good shelter, lots of moisture, end quote. And he said mice are prolific breeders as they can, quote, start to breed when they're when they are six weeks old. And then they can have a litter of six to 10 pups every 19 to 21 Crazy. days. Every after month, that. You're, just quote, ra- you're just rattling out nine to 10 mice. Yeah. But Henry said a mice plague typically ends abruptly with a population crash, although it is difficult to predict when this will occur. The winter crops. Farmers in, in plague-hit areas are now looking towards the winter crops, which in this part of southern hem- in this part of the summer hemisphere are typically sown in April and May. The industry group New South Wales Farmers has great has grave concerns that some farms will lose all the planted seed to the mice. New South Wales Farmers President James Jackson said there needs that's a good name, by the way, said there needs to be urgent action from the state government, including emergency permission to use the pesticide zinc phosphide in the pesticide zinc phosphide, I guess that's what it is, and financial assistance through a small grants program. Quote, mouse control is very costly. The severity of the current plague has resulted in the need for multiple aerial and ground bait applications in cropping regions. Action is needed now, end quote, he said. According, I'm not the home stretcher. According to the group, heavy rainfall over recent days has curbed mice numbers in some areas, but they are still rampant in central west and northwest of New South Wales. Quote, I'm hearing the rain has pushed more of them into house and vehicles, into houses and vehicles, end quote, the group spokesperson Michael Burt said. For now, Australians like Roth are left hoping the plague comes to a quick end. Quote, everyone's tolerating it, but we've really had enough. End quote, he said. That's it. Ooh. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Just, watch you, you know what videos. makes me, you know what? I, I've realized, right? Like, it's the mammal factor. 
that terrifies me. Oh, Jesus. That's a ton of mice. Good. You clicked on God. that video. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not man. clicking on that. I refuse. Woo! I refuse. I refuse. Why oh, you even sent wow. that to me like I was going to watch it oh, is a problem. Man. Oh, they are everywhere. No, it's gross. It's super gross, man. Oh, it's like the floor is moving. Oh, no, no, that no. No, 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 It is climbing all over this tractor. Oh, my no, God. Oh, it's like it's like the God. it's like the uh, what is it? The World War Z zombies. Right. Oh, it's just yeah, like yeah, that. I'm good. Except more, except more dead. I'm good. I am perfectly fine. I'm not going to watch that. So look, what what terrifies me about mice is that the fact that they're mammals, right? They're hairy. They're hairy. But but they're they're, they're mammals. Like, like there's something about killing another mammal that I think bothers me to like that level, right? Like if it's a big mammal, I feel like okay, this is a this is an equal thing, and you can't hide from me, right? So if you're bigger than me, I can kind of see you. I can see where you're at. You can't like you can't like run into a crevice and then disappear. And that's what terrifies me about mice is that they're small, but they basically have a very similar makeup to humans. They've got hearts, they've got organs, they've got little fur, little hands. They, they got, got little, little hands, little they got little faces, yep. right? And so I'm not as terrified about rats because rats for the most part can't really hide. Rats are huge. And especially the New York City rats are like the size of cats. They're huge. Oh yeah, they're they're they're, they're definitely uh, drinking that Gowanus. Oh water. yeah, I, I mean I, I've I've told you this. I've seen the rats carry like whole pieces of pizza, like in the New York City subway, oh, sure. or just like yeah, you just got a piece of pizza in his mouth, like it's a normal day. Well, the pizza rat, the inf- the infamous, the infamous yeah, yeah, pizza like rat. pizza rats. There's chicken wing rats. There's I mean I've seen rats of all shapes eating all sorts of things. Oh, they're, they're big. They're huge, big. Yeah, you can, right? They're you huge. know, if you want a house pet that you can walk on it's a leash, a it's you a can New grab York one City of those rat. big New York City yeah. rats. But like yeah. mice, they're yeah. so small. And it's like you can technically step on a mouse. And there's something about that that just makes my entire body shiver of like they, they're small. They're like they're small enough to be like a spider. But obviously killing a spider is much different from killing another mammal. Because, like, spiders are kind of alien. Bugs are kind of alien, right? they got all these limbs and all these weirdness. But there's something about seeing something with four legs and a face and eyes that can stare back at you that's terrifying to me. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of mice. I'm not a big fan of rodents. Um, but Neither is Australia. Yeah, especially when they're in swarms especially like that. I, but I also thought Australia, you know, the land of all of all crazy nature, that they just would have had, like, a swarm of snakes or something or some crazy animal that just, yeah, like, eats you. them like an anteater eats ants. <laughs> Maybe uh, maybe snakes don't reproduce as fast as uh, as fast as a mouse. No, plank. I guess not. And I guess like these things are like, hey, the drought's over. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. Let's get to it. All right. Let's see. How fast can snakes reproduce? Let's see. That's not what I asked. I asked how fast can but snakes again, remember, reproduce? But again, remember, snakes are, you know. And wait, wait, wait. I put that into Google. The top answer, Sidewinder, 18 miles per hour. What the what, what does that yeah. mean? Well, but I would say that the difference between snakes and mice are mice probably yeah, this is the problem. Mice can probably reproduce all year long. Right? Six female snakes may give birth to her young once or twice. That's what a I year. mean. That's yeah, the they difference. got you gotta make more snakes. That's the difference. <laughs> is that snakes because it, and I'm that assuming up. a lot of it's climate based, right? If it's too cold, snakes shut down. But mice, it doesn't matter. Any of the weather, a mice is a mouse is good. And the mice are going to keep reproducing basically every what every every month, every twenty one days. They're able to pre- they're able to times ten every, and, and then those ten six times them, right? ten yeah, six to ten of them, it, yeah. and then it just keeps going. I mean, looking at a mouse family tree, they go through generations in a month. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. 
happens a lot. They're like weeds. It, the, those trees are like weeds. They're just going to keep popping up. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, oh, well, good thing Australia is still kind of locked down. Where's, so. <laughs> where's the cute mouse versus snake uh, Pixar movie? Been waiting for that one. Yeah, I mean they've got ratatouille, right? There's no uh, the mouse is just yeah. That was just a that was just a cooking yeah, rat. Was it, was it a rat or a mouse? I guess it's ratatouille. The name is literally yeah, I guess ratatouille. It's not mousatouille because <laughs> it's ratatouille. So yeah, I guess it's different. <laughs> yeah, it's mouse mousatouille doesn't sound as yeah. good. It's also not a real dish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty wild though. Anyway, that's a close neighbor. So hopefully those those mice don't jump on some well, boats. If they come here, we're screwed because there's nothing to stop mice from doing that here. That's why I'm like those stories always make more sense in New Zealand, where it's like you get one crazy thing, and then it just. And then it just reproduces because there's nothing here to kill it, right? There's no. I would. Imp- are you kidding? You import some of those like stray cats in Israel or South Korea and just drop them and, and let them go to town. Yeah, but then you've got a cat problem. That's what you do. Why did I reference those two cities? Because those are the two cities where I've seen where I've been to that have the most stray, that I've seen a stray lot of stray cats. cats. Yeah. yeah, I think the the scariest stray animal to me is always going to South America and seeing stray dogs. Yeah. Although I've never, I've never seen like a more collectively chill group of stray animals than the cats in Israel. Yeah, yeah. Stray cats are more relaxed with stray dogs because they pick up packs, right? And it's like, especially when I was in Peru, you see dog, you basically see like the 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 purse dogs rolling with like the 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 shebas rolling with like it's all it's a random smattering of types of dogs I like so you that. see this gang that sounds, that and it cool. looks like something out of isle of dogs <laughs> it's like <laughs> I love yeah where it's just like a bunch that, of random little dogs together and they're just a gang and it's uh it's weird yeah i believe yeah. it all right let's let's move on uh next story talking about ghosts of tsushima reading from Engadget. sony is making a ghost of tsushima movie with john wick director Nice, I'm in. Did you know this? Cool. Developer Sucker Punch is also on board to help produce. This is a quick story here. Add Ghost of Tsushima to the list of PlayStation properties Sony plans to adopt into or adapt into multimedia franchises. Sony Pictures will turn the PlayStation 4 swan song into a live action movie. That's not exactly true that this is the PlayStation 4 swan song because like Horizon 2 is coming to PS4. Next God of War is coming to PS4. Yeah, but I guess like, what they're saying is anyway, this is the last exclusive, exclusive before there's another option, right? So, yeah, exactly. With Chad Stileski, is that how you say it? Stahelski? Not sure. Of John Wick franchise fame set to direct. Deadline was the first to report on the news with Sony later confirming it. Developer Sucker Punch Productions will help produce the project with Peter Kang there to represent the studio. Loosely based on the first Mongol invasion of Japan in 1274, Ghost of Tsushima tells the story of Jin Sakai, who's voiced by Japanese-American actor Daisuke Tsuji. After a disastrous defeat at the hands of Mongols in which his uncle is captured, Sakai, a samurai, takes it upon himself to free the island of Tsushima. Along the way, he forced to re- he is forced to reevaluate his moral code as he tries to wrest his, wrest his home from the Mongols. Goose of Tsushima has been both a critical and commercial success for Sony, selling 6.5 million copies since its debut last summer. Naturally, PlayStation Productions, the subsidiary Sony set up to create movies and TV shows based on its games, is also working on the project. Back when the news of HBO's The Last of Us adaptation, adaptation first broke, 
PlayStation Productions co-president Chris Parnell told the Hollywood's Hollywood Reporter, the series was the first of many projects the company had planned. He wasn't kidding. So go to Tsushima as a so, movie. So, Tom Cruise? Matt Damon? Oh, yeah, Matt absolutely. Damon? You stole my joke. <laughs> I was going to say Tom Cruise immediately as the first, as my first choice to play Zin, uh, Jin Sakai. Matt, Matt Damon? Not a samurai. He, that was something what else. What was he? I don't know. He was in China. There's no samurais in China. Well, he was some type of warrior with a sword, wasn't he? Yes. Maybe a bow and arrow. I don't remember. I never saw that movie. I saw. I think I saw like 15 minutes of that movie and just, and just nope. Well, right who, who else? Who else is the who else is the white man that's played an Asian character? <laughs> who, else is, who played a uh... John John Wayne? But he's yeah, dead. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been a good choice for the uncle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome. It it suits very well to the to a movie style to make a very. I mean, look, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, right? Like you can make something very stylized and john wick was very good at that of making very realistic but also very stylized basically you know i mean video game of john wick basically going through and mowing down people so you can do something similar here where you got you know the story i mean i thought the story alone was great so there's not much to tweak really um you pretty much it's just a story of you lose the first battle right you make it all death and mayhem and then you kind of go through and you're trying to win your your uncle's approval it's all that stuff right so you're good yeah the interesting thing about this i thought it was um so i've heard the news i was like yeah that makes sense i was just to another podcast where the opinion was well that's weird because it's a game that's based on a lot of samurai movies like kurosawa films and this would basically be You'd come full circle, right? I don't think there's a shortage of things to tell, but I do wonder because you're bringing a story that hasn't really been told to a medium, to a medium where it would stand out a little bit more, where now you're going backwards and there would be something that you'd have to do to change it up to the point where it's not falling into those tropes where it's just another one of those, like, uh, those samurai movies that it's taking influence from. Otherwise, how does it really stand out? Or is the goal just to be okay? Because at this point, the the bar for video game movie adaptations is so low that maybe the goal is just to be like, you know, like I reference the rundown for this example every time. Like that is a formula action movie with perfect execution, right? Maybe you just do that. You go for the formula, but you execute perfectly and just ride the. I mean, I mean, but it's it's all these video game movies that they're starting to make, right? Like the Tomb Raider games, they're going to make an Uncharted game, like the stories, and it's very interesting because I yeah, think the true. stories themselves are good. It's how you adapt this into a two-hour window, because I mean, Ghost of Tsushima is basically a thirty-hour movie, really, right? And that's I, that's where I think this stuff always falls apart. Because it's almost like trying to take a TV series and boil it down into a film. It never really works because you actually get the time to tell different parts of the stories and introduce new characters. And you're trying to fit that into a two to three hour window. And that tends to never really catch on because you're also trying to have the right amount of action, right? Because the video game, it's all about being in the action. But then you're also trying to do those slower moments where you're telling story points. And so... I mean, look, for me, as long as you make it cool, and we'll talk about this coming up when we get into media therapy about trying to just make a movie cool, right? It's like, how do you balance between I need to tell this really great story through video that a video game has already told, 
And how do I actually give it real live action action points as well and marry those two things together, which is why video game movies, for the most part, don't really work. Uh, I just looked at the cast of uh, Ghost of Tsushima because I was trying to remember the name of the character uh, of the characters. And uh, the the uncle, Lord Shimura, the English voice actor is uh eric steinberg <laughs> i never I, I and we both played this game now, on with japanese voice right yeah, so i have exactly. no idea what too. the what the the english version now, of this sounds like so they're they're all they're all uh asian they're all like uh <laughs> that's funny a- asian there's already a so deep fake. eric steinberg there's is, already a deep fake is an asian of guy. keanu reeves playing Jin. this already exists oh yeah you could definitely do keanu reeves because he was in uh he was in that seven seven samurai yeah. Oh, uh, he's another he one, in? but I mean, he's of? he's kind of a good one though. He's got very. I think if Keanu Reeves played this character, there would be some people who would try to get upset about it. But I think majority of people would say, of all the white guys to play Jin, this is the guy that we'd be okay with. Um, yeah, yeah. The deep fake's very weird. Though. I'm looking at it now. I just sent you the video of it of like the deep fake in the video he has game. A native Hawaiian, Chinese, English, Irish, and Portuguese descent. So all right, yeah. Right, you could justify that. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't think you could go with him. No, I think you've got to go. You've got to go Asian cast on this. Like you've got to be true to it. Um, but even the villain Absolutely. in this game, like the guy that played the the Mongol leader, I don't, don't remember his name. Is great, right? Like there's just great. It, this is why I struggle with this. Kotun, Kotun Khan. Yeah, this, this is why I struggle with this because this would just make a great game, which it has. So do I really need a movie or do I just want to play the game again to get the story? I don't know if I need a live action of this. And that's the issue. When I when I see stuff like this, the adaptations are not necessarily for you no, or me who who played the game. It's for the people who don't. Who, it's like you want to expose this story to people who wouldn't otherwise play the game. Unless you're going to take a different angle from us and give us maybe a little more backstory to like Yuna, who is a great character, yeah. right? And who I think should definitely be played by Aquafina, obviously. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, we've got to find more than her, right? Like we're getting into the same trope where you just kind of get the same Asians over and over again to play. I, I specifically said her because she's this comedy yes. actor. That's that character is very yes. serious. Because <laughs> I, I, I like to sh- show me some unknown people. That, that's like, how I, I feel. Always, for I would always this, right like make it an action movie, very stylized with some unknown people and just basically try to make, I mean, look, sucker punch is one of these for me. That is like, just make something cool. Like I can pick up the story if you make something really cool. And I think most people, the problem is you try to shoehorn the story into this. Most people go, well, the story, I don't really like the story, but if you play the video game, you'd love the story. Right? So it's one of those things. But if you make it a really cool movie, like I'm watching this now where it's like the way that he kills the con and his uncle, like it's just so stylized and awesome lean into the style and just give me a little bit of the story. So when people just go, this is just an awesome looking movie. I just want to see how cool this movie is. And then, yeah, the story's fine, but it's, it's great. Like, look at this set piece. Look at this cinematography. Look at all the colors of the fall leaves when they're doing these battles inside of these, you know, these circular rings, like that type of stuff, right? Like the, like the, the actual cinematography of the game is the most impressive part of it. And the story is just there. And the problem is someone will try to really make this story happen without really leaning into like, hey, we're doing a basically showdown and there's leaves falling into this pit like that awesome stuff. So, yeah, we'll see. Not surprised by it, though. Not surprised by it at all. 
yeah, it's, hey, you know, best of luck. I, I, I hope I hope it's good. Sony's obviously taking this multimedia stuff very yes. seriously. The Last of Us HBO series is going to be interesting to see how yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, and zombies are tough. I mean, one. The Witcher, The Witcher was one of the more yeah, people successful. Like the uh, like some of the more successful ones, uh, but hey, you never know. We'll see. We'll see where this goes. So more, more. To yeah, come. it's interesting because for some reason you don't have an issue. Like every movie nowadays is basically an adaptation from a book, right? Yeah. And like video games just hasn't been able to translate that well enough. And I think it's because video games are much more interactive media already than what a book is, right? A book is a lot of your own imagination. You've got to come up with what yeah, you, you think you care. You visualize it, right? So people love reading books because they can they make up the characters in their head. And then if you haven't read the book, it's just a good story. Video games, though, because they're so interactive and because I can go on YouTube and basically watch the equivalent of this movie through this 12 minute clip. And then you're going to basically kind of try and do the same thing through a film, which doesn't work as well. So it's interesting. I hope it does work because this game is awesome. So, but they're also, but, but the games are also like kind of story in games. I think is still stigmatized because you still look at it as a, as a kid's toy. Right. So any Hollywood producer would probably look at this being like, well, we can't use that story. Yeah, we're going to leverage. It's more like going in from the brand perspective than actually leveraging what worked in the game. Like Max Payne is probably the best example of that, where the story in the game was super interesting. Like Remedy, Remedy has been telling interesting stories in games for a long time. And that movie was was so bad because it just it just went nowhere where it was supposed to go based on what made the game work. It just completely deviated and left turned. I mean, look at everything that you bowl did. Everything you bowl did was just taking names and just being like, he probably didn't even play the game. He just said, all right, I got my hands on this license. Let's, if this is what it takes for Germany to fund this project, which is most definitely what happened, then I'll just run with it. And as a result, you know, you got those really shitty movies, but I I don't even resident evil, like resident evil started off as, kind of close to the game where you have there's a house and there's zombies there's the umbrella corporation but your main character wasn't anybody from the games themselves yeah i mean look like there's so many video games like monster hunter movie right that just came out and this monster hunter is this giant game that just came out on switch that me and you were both playing and then you watch the movie you're just like I don't I don't know much about Monster Hunter, but this is not this is a little bit of a mess from a lore standpoint. And yet it's like, well, I mean, like this is funny because I'm watching the Mortal Kombat trailer. That's another movie franchise that they're gonna try to bring back, try to make it hyper realistic, right? You now got the the use of visual effects from plus twenty years from the last time you tried to do this. People are people are stoked. People are super excited about it, but then you're gonna watch it and go like, Yeah, it's a Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> like it, it's a little ridiculous. So yeah, I think we're they're, they're going to try. They're going to try to make this stuff a, a realistic thing where I actually think The Witcher works is because it's a TV series. I think you'd be better off making video game yeah. series than you are making films, personally. I agree. I think I think in a lot of cases you're right because of how much they do. I mean, I think most things are probably more adaptable in TV show format than than movies. Movies, are just, it's hard, especially when you're adapting something because there's a lot of content. Yeah. To and it's just a budgetary thing, right? I think overall, oh, shit. getting, hey, we're going to make a movie and we're going to put all this budget into it versus trying to sell someone that you're going to get more than one season out of a game or out of a series is just maybe a little different. 
But that's going to change, right? All this stuff going to streaming is going to make it way more attractive to take Mortal Kombat, which has really awesome visual effects in it based on what I'm watching right now. Like, you're actually able to do Sub-Zero and all this stuff, like, actually more realistic. Of Like, hey, we're going to do all of this real, you know, this real visual effects heavy lightning and, and ice and all of this stuff. You can really lean into it now, which is awesome. But if you don't actually have a, if you actually don't have a story at all, then so be it. You know, the interesting thing about Mortal Kombat is that lately that game has actually had pretty cool single player story modes. Have you seen any of those? Like, have you seen any of the the cutscenes or the or the narratives that take place in those uh, in Mortal Kombat? I think the last one was eleven. So ten and eleven is when they really got crazy. The latest game that has has a lot of really good reviews on it. People love that latest yeah. version. So yeah, yeah. But the single player version, the single player has like this bonkers uh story mode with really cool cutscenes and it's got like time travel and all these other things and you know they just go completely off the rails. Why so not? <laughs> yeah, so so that's the thing is like I would have said up until Mortal Kombat, I don't know, eight maybe, that those kind of games are probably better for adaptation because there's no real story. There's no like cohesive story to wrap your head around. Yeah, I guess one exists, but you know, it's not, it's never actually formally presented to the players. So you can do more with it versus just retelling the same thing that you already see. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they, now that we have all these other ones that are going to come out and basically retell the exact same stories, I don't know. It'd be interesting. It would be good to at least get to a level of competence. Like let's start there. Yeah. Although Tom Holland reached recently came out and cause he's going to be Nathan Drake and uncharted. And he's like, yeah, I don't think I did a good job in that movie. <laughs> It's like, dude, the movie's not even out yet. Yeah. Yeah, he's a real odd choice for that, to be honest. Yeah. But fair enough. Yeah, he was he's, young. Yeah, he's hot. Yeah, he's hot at the time now, though. Between Spider-Man and all the other movies he's starting to do. That that dude's popular. So Yeah. Maybe he could play uh, Jin Sakai. Yeah. He'll just be all the protagonists. All the although although they got Pedro Pascal to be uh to be the main dude in uh in The Last of Us. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, like I said, last story, we're going to blend this with our uh, with our political talk here because everything has to be political now. And I and I heard it, I heard this uh, brought up on uh, on uh, Smirkanish's show this morning on CNN. So I thought, oh, this is this is interesting. I didn't realize this would be so controversial, but let's let's talk about it. And, uh, and let's hash it out because I want to talk about it. So uh, reading from the AP, my, uh, my source of news that I consider factual news, you know, no, no, real, no real opinion in there. Vaccine passports are the latest flashpoint in COVID politics. So this, this is a little, this is going to be a little long, but bear with me here because I think it's interesting. Vaccine passports being developed to verify COVID-19 immunization status and allow inoculated people to more freely travel, shop, and dine have become the latest flashpoint in America's perpetual political wars, with Republicans portraying them as a heavy-handed intrusion into personal freedom and private health choices. They currently exist in only one state, a limited government partnership in New York with a private company, but that hasn't stopped the GOP lawmakers in a handful of states from rushing out legislation proposals to ban their use. 
The argument over whether passports are a sensible response to the pandemic or government overreach echoes the bitter dispute over the past year about masks, shutdown orders, and even the vaccines themselves. Vaccine passports are typically an app with a code that verifies whether someone has been vaccinated or recently tested negative for COVID-19. They are in use in Israel and under development in parts of Europe, seen as a way to safely help rebuild the pandemic-devastated travel industry. They are intended to allow businesses to more safely open up as the vaccine drives gains as the vaccine drive gains momentum, and they are and they mirror measures already in place for schools and overseas travels that require proof of immunization against various diseases. But lawmakers around the country are already taking a stand against the idea. GOP senators in Pennsylvania are drawing up legislation that would prohibit vaccine passports, also known as health certificates or travel passes, from being used to to bar people from routine activities. Quote, we have constitutional rights and health privacy laws for a reason, end quote, said Pennsylvania House Majority Leader Kerry Benningoff, a Republican. Quote, they should not cease to exist in a time of crisis. These passports may start with COVID-19, but where will they end? End quote, the typical uh, Republican argument of escalation. Benningoff said this week his concern was, quote, using taxpayer money to generate a system that will now be possibly in the hands of mega tech organizations who've already had problems with getting hacked and security issues, end quote. A Democratic colleague, uh, Representative Chris Rabb of Philadelphia, sees value in vaccine passports if they are implemented carefully. Quote, There's a role for using technology and other means to confirm people's status, but we do have concerns around privacy, surveillance, and and inequitable access, end quote, Rav says. Republican legislators in other states have also been drafting proposals to ban or limit them. A bill introduced in the Arkansas legislature on Wednesday would prevent government officials from requiring vaccine passports for any reason and would ban their use as a condition of entry, travel, education, employment, or services. The sponsor, Republican State Senator Trent Garner, called vaccine passports, quote, just another example of the Biden administration using COVID-19 to put regulations or restrictions on everyday Americans, end quote. President Joe Biden's administration has largely taken a hands-off approach on vaccine passports. And this is what I love about the AP. (laughs) It's just like, all right, he said this thing. Here's a fact about it. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> you know, it's like we're not going to tell you what to think. These are just these are just some facts. Here's what they're saying. Here's the truth. At a news conference this week, Andy Slavitt, acting administrator of the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, said he considers them a project for the private sector, not the government. He said the government is considering federal guidelines to steer the process surrounding vaccine passports. Among its concerns, not everyone who would need a passport has a smartphone. Passports should be a f- should be free and in multiple languages, and, pro- and private health information must be protected. Quote: There will be organizations that want that want to use these. There will be organizations that don't want to use these. End quote. Said Dr. Brian Anderson of Mitre, M-I-T-R-E, I don't know, which operates federally funded research centers and is part of a coalition working to develop standards for vaccine certifications to make their use easier across vendors. 
Anderson noted that the vaccination credential initiative is not making recommendations on how or even if organizations choose to use the certifications. certifications. In Montana, GOP lawmakers this week voted along party lines to advance a pair of bills that would ban discrimination based on vaccine status or possession of an immunity passport and to prohibit using vaccine status or passports to obtain certain benefits and services. And a freshman Republican state lawmaker in Ohio spoke out about the concept, saying more restrictions or mandates are not the answer to every COVID-19 problem. Quote, Ohioans are encouraged to take the COVID-19 vaccine for health and well-being of themselves and others. However, a vaccine should not be mandated or required by our government for people to integrate back to a a sense of normalcy, end quote, said Representative Al Cutrona. Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Friday issued an executive order that said no government entity can issue a vaccine passport and businesses in that state can't require them. He said he expected the legislature to pass a similar law. His order said requiring, quote, so-called COVID-19 vaccine passports for taking part in everyday life, such as attending a sporting event, patronizing a restaurant, or going to a movie theater would create two classes of citizens, end quote. U.S. Oh, this fucking woman. U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia, a newly elected member who has embraced and promoted a range of far-right political positions, told her supporters on Facebook earlier this week that something called a vaccine passport was a form of corporate communism and part of a democratic effort to control people's lives. And a GOP lawmaker in Louisiana has teed up a bill to keep the state from including any vaccination information on the Louisiana driver's license or to make insurance of a uh, or to make issuance of a driver's license subject to vaccine status. I'm at the home stretch here, so just a little bit longer in New York, a government sponsored vaccine passport called the Excelsior Pass. That's such a pretentious bullshit name is being introduced. A smartphone app, it shows it shows whether someone has been vaccinated or recently tested negative for COVID-19. Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo touted the idea as letting an event venue usher, for example, use their own smartphone to scan a concert goer's code. New York official US New York officials have not released specific details about how the app will work, access someone's vaccination or testing test or testing status or protect a user's name, date of birth, or the location where their code was scanned. The app's privacy policy says data will be maintained in a secured manner and won't be used for sales or marketing purposes or shared with a third party, but some privacy experts say the public needs more specifics to ensure its information is protected. Albert Fox Kahn, founder and executive director of the Surveillance Technology Oversight Project at the Urban Justice Center, Oh, a New York-based civil rights and privacy group warned the Excelsior Pass creates a new layer of surveillance without sufficient details about how it collects data or protects privacy. Quote, we basically only have screenshots of the user interface and not much more, and quote, Khan said of Excelsior Pass. So let's get into this. What do you think about a COVID-19 vaccine the longest story you could have possibly read, by the way. <laughs> I know that's why I combined the two and one, but again, I find it very interesting. You might disagree, and so might anybody who just fast forwarded all that. But let's talk about it. I mean, well, look, there's 131 million recorded COVID cases in the world. 
right? That's the official number. I'm looking at it now. Okay. There's 7 billion people in the world. So I know that the recorded cases is probably way off, right? Like I think there was something where it said like then the, what is it? A World Health Organization thinks that it's possibly 10% of the world's population has caught this, right? So just because you don't, you know, you might catch it and never know it and not get tested and be done with it, right? So the recorded cases versus the actual cases are going to be different in this, with this pandemic. Mm-hmm. So that's still only a billion people. And that's being, right? So it's 10%. That's less than a billion people, right? So, yeah, like for, if people think that not getting vaccinated, and that you can just kind of go along and it just disappears. I mean, we can be dealing with this for the next, let's say, 10 years, right? If it takes one out of 10 people to catch it, and then it rolls back around, which means if you've caught it once and it's been a year, you can catch it again. This pandemic will never end, and you'll keep losing people, right? So there's 2.84 million deaths that have been recorded worldwide out of 131 million cases. So all things considered, Right. The pandemic hasn't killed. It's not like if you catch it, you're it's a guaranteed death sentence, obviously. So, yeah, I would say if you're a business and you don't, you know, and your business is going to be infected by the ongoing use of this or the ongoing, you know, disruption of this pandemic, then I think you have every right to request some type of system or passport in order for you to be able to allow people to attend sporting events or all the things that a private company kind of has the right to ask for before they open up their facilities, right? Um, I think the points about data is a good one. Like, it needs to be secured. It needs to be something that's not just flippantly used. But at the same time, I don't I don't feel strongly one way or the other about it, but I think it's necessary. Like, whether I like it or not, having a passport that shows you're vaccinated or you've tested negative is what's going to be required until this, until this is no longer a thing. Because one out of 10, there's still nine out of 10 people who haven't caught it yet. So, like, as long as those numbers are at that list until vaccination turns into, well, hey, one out of, you know, one out of, you know, one out of every two people has been vaccinated and, you know, 10% has caught it, then maybe it's a little different. But right now, I mean, I think that system's probably fine. Now, I guess the difference in the states as well. Do you have to pay for your COVID vaccine in the states? Well, there, I guess there is a cost, but every insurance covers it. But what if you, I mean, every single insurance covers it completely. So if I've got some version of Obamacare, some really low rate insurance, will it cover it? Yeah. Yeah. So then it is, I mean, you're kind of forced. I I, I believe it will. Let me be clear. Yeah. Cause that's the thing in the U S it always turns into, well, this is the haves versus the have nots because you have to pay for medical care in New Zealand. When the vaccine rolls out here, free to everybody, period. Like you walk in and you get a shot done. So, It's a little different in the states where it does become this cost of entry thing, and you can always use that if you're a Republican to go see. They're trying to keep you down. The wealthy elite are trying to keep you from, you know, running your business and living your life. So yeah, I mean, I don't really feel, I don't feel strongly one way or the other about it. Um, to be dead honest with you, if that's what's required, then cool. And if we don't do it, and as long as enough people are vaccinated, and the governments will tell you, they'll present those numbers that goes, "Hey, we vac- vaccinated 200 million people." And you go, "How many people are in the states? 360 million. Okay, cool, right?" Like I, I think that's for me. As long as the 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 health um, the health system is able to report the number of people who have been vaccinated, and you're able to do that across the world, you might not need passports by then. 
So that's my very yeah, long think, answer to how I feel. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the passport thing is a temporary measure, right? Like when you get to the point where there is a actual herd immunity, right? And you know for sure that 70% of the people are either vaccinated or have or had the disease, right? That would basically be herd immunity. And you know, at this rate we're going pretty quick, especially in the states, right? Where going around with the in the US now is going to be it could be fine in you're talking in like months, right? You're not you're not talking a really long stretch of time at this point. They they said today, I actually just got an alert that said they administered 4 million doses of the vaccine today. That doesn't mean 4 million people have been immunized. It means that at least the a ver, a, either the first half or the second half or the J&J have been administered to people today alone, which is a record per day. So if you assume that they keep ramping up, then you're going to get there pretty quick because at this rate, you would basically have everybody with at least one shot in less than 100 days, which is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but until you get to that point, even if this is a temporary measure for a year, it's interesting because my my approach on this would be one from a typically a uh, a more Republican viewpoint, which is everything here seems to be coming from the uh, down to the business itself, not so much the government, but it has to be done in conjunction with the government so that you can actually prove that this information is valid, right? Like you have you have to have this information. So if you have that, but it should be up to the business themselves, right? So if all so to make a law that says you can't a business cannot discriminate against somebody if they have the vaccine or not it seems like that is a very anti republican frame of thought coming from the republicans right like they they were the ones who said no someone who doesn't want to bake a cake for a gay wedding shouldn't be obligated to do so whereas here they're saying, well, if somebody doesn't want to let somebody in who may or may not have COVID versus someone who does for sure not have COVID, then they can't be allowed to do so. And we're going to actively make legislation against that. That's why the Republican ideals are kind of fraudulent. Because yeah, like if it's personal, if businesses are, if if companies are, you know, considered human. <laughs> And you're allowed to make that personal choice that says, hey, I want to subscribe to this system that someone has offered me, that another private company has offered me to use. And if I don't want to use it, I don't have to. If I do want to use it, I can. And I can prevent people from coming into my football stadium if they're not vaccinated, right? But the Republicans go, well, that's against personal freedoms. So this is why this loop of what freedom is and choice and, you know, all the amendments becomes kind of nonsense. Because if I'm the owner of let's say the the Los Angeles Rams and I own the stadium in Inglewood and I go, Hey, so in order for everyone to come into my stadium, they've got to prove to me that they're vaccinated and they have to use this system. Otherwise you can't come to the games. That's working. The yeah. system working as completely intended is my opinion. Cause if you don't want to go to the games, you don't have to, no one's going to force you. And if you do, you've got to do what the company is telling you. Cause that's their personal freedom to say, Hey, I want you to subscribe to this. If you don't, don't come watch it on TV. That's fine with us. So that's where it kind of goes both sides, because I think this is what should be done until it's no longer necessary. Now, the problem becomes if it is deemed by this is a public health ordinance, 
right? Yeah. So if the state of California mm-hmm. goes, hey, Los Angeles Rams, you have to sign up for this system in order for people to open, in order for you to allow people into the stadium, because this many people is a super spreader event and it's a it's you know it's a danger to public health. And that's where it gets non-Republican, so to speak, because then Correct. the government is the one who's telling you you have to do this in order for your private business to operate, which I'd argue they also have a right to do, given the fact that COVID will affect all of us, right? Let's say everyone's vaccinated, everything's great, and then there's some super spreader event, and then you kind of kick this whole thing off over again. That's a problem. So it's yeah. tough. I think it should be sort of the choice of a business should be the choice of, you know, cities and these types of things, whatever runs this to allow for the government to set up a system. And if you want to use it, you can. If you don't, you don't. Period. Yeah. Yeah. I think the blanket, no, it's got to go away. It kind of goes back to that whole denialism, right? Yeah. You like can't just deny that. Problem as yeah, it is. You can't deny that this isn't a problem. If you don't read those numbers, right? Only 2.5 million people have died. In the grand scheme of seven point something billion. So like I get it if you want to be that flippant about numbers by yeah, going six six hundred thousand of them are in the United States alone. Yes. But like we have more deaths than anybody else, and there's only three hundred million of us. Yep. So you're you're talking about what is that? I mean, it, it's not even one percent, I guess, but you're still talking about a pretty substantial amount. Like, what is it? 0.5%. So that means one out of every one out of every 200 people has died in this country. I guess the question I would say is how many people (laughs) die of the flu each year? Uh, That's always the argument, right? Again, I don't know the numbers because I could be completely wrong, but that's what, that was always the argument, right? Same amount of people die from the flu. It's just a flu. Right. Okay. Here we go. So between 12,000 and 61,000 deaths annually since 2010. Yeah. It's a bit different. It's a bit different. <laughs> 10 times as many. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just a little bit different. And that's with actually having imagine if we didn't lock down. Imagine if we didn't try to put some restrictions to the behest of plenty of people who said this is against my personal freedoms but you still sat at home, didn't you? Imagine if you didn't. What would have happened? That's the thing, right? Oh, it's just a flu. Yeah, that we kind of prevented by by systematically shutting things down, right? Imagine if we didn't shut yeah. things down. The number would have been way higher. Yeah, at least after, when people were getting the fatigue and people were getting out there, at least there's some better therapeutics now than there were. At the time, right? Like when we first shut this but thing at the down. Time, yeah. yeah, but at the time, yeah, if you just went all out, then yeah. I mean, it was already in New York. It was it was awful. And the amount of um, like the amount of like temporary morgues they'd had to build and things like that, it was it was really bad for a, for a for like about a month or two there. And there are some places in uh, throughout the country that were pretty bad. I think Arizona had like a bad spike like that as well. So and that that was later on. So it, it it's just one of these things where I don't understand the politicization of this and the. And pinning this kind of conspiracy theory on Democrats being like, this is just a matter of government control. They want to keep you locked in. They want to keep things. It's like, th- this does not benefit anybody. Anybody. Well, the you know sooner, who to thank Everybody for that. wants- You know who to thank for that. It's Again, it's all Trump. It really is. And it's sad because I don't believe this is at the heart of this is not a Republican ideal. I don't believe that. I think if you would have had any other president in history during this time, Everyone would have banned. I mean, look at what happened after. I, I don't want to compare this, obviously, to 9-11. But, right, Republicans in charge, 
massive lockdowns for our safety and security measures and all these things TSA. put in place. All these things put yeah. in place that were completely infringing on your freedoms, right? And that was all done in the safety of, hey, you know, someone bombed us. Let's go get them, right? Everyone bought into that. Everyone. And it's because Trump was president. If it was any other Republican president, we wouldn't have had this happen. You could have even gone from Reagan to any of them. And I don't believe this would have happened. They would not have politicized this. Maybe it would have gotten a little bit of, hey, well, you know, these lockdowns are going on a little too long, right? You go into the financial side of things. But Trump, from the beginning, he never took this seriously, ever. There was never, I can see if Trump at the beginning says, hey, look, this is a real serious thing. We've got to, we've got to lock this thing down. This is a mess. And then in six months, he goes, look, we locked it down, but we got to get back to work. We got to get back to business. I totally would have understood that. But Trump, from the beginning, turned this into politics. It, from the very beginning, he turns it into politics. And that's the problem, the idea, is that it, it, wasn't for the, it wasn't for public safety. It was for his own ego. The idea of government control coming from the Democrats has always been this Republican attack on the left because of you know their willingness to increase taxes and invest in um, you know, public service and that kind of thing. So that's what I mean, you got, got dudes calling themselves socialists. So that, that doesn't really help the marketing side of things. But, you know, this is a message that's being hammered away from Fox News well before Trump. If anything, Trump is just another one of those old guys who's being who's susceptible to the talking points of Fox News and will just regurgitate. But that's kind of the so problem, though. This right? idea like it's oh for sure. Yeah, that's the he, problem. He, <laughs> it's not that yeah. Trump believed this himself, is that he's so kind of gullible and and he's he's more of a consumer of media than any other president in our history and he was picking up on these points just to just to be this person right like that's just what he was and he didn't believe he doesn't believe in anything he said this i mean you heard the tapes right when he's like hey this is real serious this is real serious trump wasn't trying to be out there doing stuff until fox news told him and then he did it yeah yeah but the thing is like he this politicization just doesn't make any sense because again if you think about it for 30 seconds, you'd understand that this makes no sense for anyone to be like, why Why would the Democrats want to have shutdowns continue? It doesn't help them. It doesn't help Not them at, at this all. point, it doesn't. Because, I mean, Trump even said that. Watch. Even when that, when I'm no I longer president. Sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. When I'm no longer president, watch. All of a sudden, everything gets better. Everything opens up, right? He said that multiple times. Yeah, it's going to disappear after the election. Yeah. You're not going to hear about yes. it anymore. Yeah. All right. Meanwhile, after the election, you had the worst month ever. Yeah. <laughs> thanks to uh, thanks to everybody traveling for Christmas. And it's going to spike Year's. again because of spring break, right? All those videos of people in Miami on Miami Beach, like just pretending like the pandemic's not over. Yeah. It or pretending it like might. it is over. Sorry. Yeah. 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 I get it. Yeah. It. We'll see. I. I, I don't know if it'll be as bad as it was before especially now that you are getting these vaccines out there, like there is a good number of people that will be vaccinated and that'll keep going. So there will come a point where it will drop substantially and the rate of vaccination is pretty, is pretty great. But yeah, people just need to sit tight and keep following these rules for at least like another two months. And but then- I also just believe people are going to stop reporting this. People are just going to stop getting tested 
people are just not gonna they're, they're just kind of over it right so if you get a cough you just gonna today. stay yeah but again you're different right i would say there's a lot of people who are just like i'm not gonna go get tested whatever i've got a cough i'm work from home anyways oh it's not covid and i'm fine and i don't need to get tested and i'll be okay in two weeks right like i think there's a lot of people out there who just believe that and they're not going to go to the hospital for, which is why that actual number, right? The World Health Organization is saying the best estimate is that one in 10 people have contracted the virus. And that's not what people who've come forward and actually got tested. So it goes into the, the you know, the, the actual count of how many people have caught this so far, which just isn't accurate. It can't be. Right. Yeah. Agreed. It's wild. But yeah, COVID passports, I, again, as far as a, as a tool, as a utility, I think uh, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's good to have that available for these businesses that want to because you want to also reduce liability, right? Like the, <laughs> the Republicans tried to one of the things that was holding them off was this liability insurance or something. That's one of the Mitch McConnell's sticking points for one of the COVID relief acts, I think. And he was pushing for that. Where everybody's like, no, we just need a bill to give people money. Like we just need to do that. And he's like, oh, what about the burger first? And then they, you know. But this actually allows them to reduce that liability by only admitting people. Because if you say, think about it this way, if you have a stadium, right? Now they're they're filling up stadiums, quote, filling up, but it's really like, what, 10% capacity? So you see these pictures of Yankee Stadium and a sold out game. You only see people are sitting like miles apart from each other. It's really weird looking. But if all of a sudden you say, yeah, you could get in with the COVID passport and we could actually book this thing at, you know, 80 to 90% capacity. Why would you not? Yeah. Like, give us the option. If that's something that I can do, knowing that everybody in this crowd is negative and or vaccinated, or let's say just vaccinated. If I know that I could, I could only let in people that are vaccinated for the next, you know, four months, then absolutely like do it like do that because that that benefits everybody it benefits them it gets them the revenues that they need to stay afloat and then some because let's be real these organizations get a get a fuck ton of profits or and it also benefits the uh you know that's a lot of tax revenue collected as well so the government's help as well that's why the idea of a of a government that wants to encourage lockdown makes zero sense because they're bleeding money as well and they need it yeah. So. Yep. Agreed. That's, yeah. I mean, it's it's basically to me. It's I kind of make a comparison. It's not the best comparison, but it's kind of like global entry. Like, yeah. if there's a way for me to have something that allows me to to get through the process of some of this stuff faster, I'd I'd very happily give up a bit of my freedom to do so. Um. So that's the question: Can you do this? Where you know. Hey, you can't join the stadium unless you have global. You can't get on this flight unless you have global entry, and that's basically what this is. So, can you have a system that does a bit of both? You can get through the line faster if you choose to give up a bit of free. If you choose to give up a bit of your information, otherwise, then you got to get tested. You got to go through other things. Fine, there's no global thing, but you got to run through some system through us that makes sure that that you're not a threat to the health of others when you do these things, right? So it's going to be some type of system like that until it's no longer necessary. Someone, uh, I read this meme before, it was a tweet. They said, if you think potential vaccine passports could contain a lot of your information, wait until you hear about passports. Yeah, pretty much. Like they've already got all, and that's always the thing I find funny. People People give up so many freedoms without even realizing it. 
And then yeah. it's stuff like this that they get all up in arms about. And it's like, every time you use your phone, we've mined your data. So it's like, what exactly are you talking about? About you don't want your freedoms given up. You already have. Yeah. You just don't know exactly. about it. So. Yeah. It's, it's a, anyway. So yeah, that was it. Like I said, thought I found it interesting. But we could, uh, we could move on. Let's move on to a little media therapy. And I got a question. Now, look, I didn't expect that Ratatouille was going to come up. I just knew that he he showed up for reasons. I think he's got a comedy special or something coming out. But who is older, Pat Oswald or Paul Giamatti? I'm going to say Pat Oswald is younger. I'm going to say Pat Oswald is not 50 yet is my guess. I'm assuming he's like 49. Pat Oswald is one year younger. Wow. Okay. Than Paul Giamatti. So close, but yeah, like he's, he's younger. And if you've seen him. You you'd believe it. Yeah. <laughs> if you saw him recently, you'd be like, oh, that dude's like 10 years older than Paul Giamatti. That's <laughs> no disrespect. Love Pat Oswald. Funny guy. Um, but yeah, it was funny because up until a certain point, he kind of played that, that like kind of younger guy, right? He was just kind of that comic relief fun guy. Well, he's always been or like sarcastic the, guy. He's always been like the like the like the acceptable nerd is the yeah. best way that I yeah, yeah. put it. Right? Like he's he's older, but he still understands the comic books and some of these other things, and he can kind of fit into. I mean, I think what is it? His Star Wars rant during some comedy show, of Parks, Parks, and, Parks Rex. and Rec, that everyone like that's that's who he is. It's like that type of stuff. I mean, he hosts the VES Awards every single year. Um, so yeah, he's just that kind of guy, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, that's why I thought he was younger. I thought he would have been just now turning fifty. So. Yeah, he he always seemed like that guy was perpetually in his thirties. Yes, for me at least. And now it's like, oh damn, it's getting up there. You are, yeah, I mean, the whole story about his wife that passed away is is super sad, touching and sad at the same time. Um, the way that he sort of talks about that is very interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So uh, with that, look, we got to talk about. Usually, this is what I turn the question to you to say, what are you watching? What are you playing? We'll talk about the playing a little later. I want to talk about Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, you do. But before but before we get there, is there anything else that you want to bring up? So there's two things that I've that I watched, right? One one TV series that I've been watching and one film that I watched. What would you like to hear from first? The TV or the or the film? Let's, uh, we'll start with TV, and then okay. we'll transition into the films. So this is mostly for Arlen, right? You started watching Married at First Sight Australia. All right, I'll see you later. Now, you, you heard about... Like, you know, it's gonna you be message very quick. me when you're... It's going to be very quick, okay. right? Cool. You heard how we talked about the American show and all these things, right? And that sounds like a disaster in its own right. The Australian version of this show is not just a dumpster fire. It's like an entire barge of trash in the middle of the ocean on fire. It is so absurd and so wild. I don't think Arlen, you know, I kind of told Arlen we should, she shouldn't watch this. I think this is some of the most soulless television I've ever watched. It's It makes you feel so awful while you're watching it. It's entertaining, but man, don't ever let anyone tell you that America, right, the whole America social media thing and the Kardashian culture, you think America has it bad? Watch some Australian reality TV. 
it's nuts over there. Whatever that between the 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 swarms of mice and their reality TV show stars, I don't know what the hell's going on in Australia. It's a mess. Australia now I listen to a podcast religiously. It's it's one of the funniest. Like if you want a pure comedy podcast, this is one of the best ones you can listen to. It's called Dumb People Town, and they I, I've I've referenced them before because I think at least once. Uh, but I'll reference it when I do. I've read a story that I heard about on them just to get your reaction. And they uh, sometimes it'll go the other way and they'll they'll read a story that we've ended up uh, covering here. But I'd say they come they do a podcast once a week, some and then one every other week. So they cover, let's say, three, so that's uh, 12, 14 stories a month, okay? I'd say at of those fourteen, I'd say a quarter of them are in Australia. And there's a lot that are in, you know, the US, you'd expect a lot of stuff from Florida. There, of course, is, but I'd say there's just as much shit going on in Australia that they find as they do in Florida. Yep. Yeah, yeah. To me, Australia is, there's, I mean, a lot of it is basically Florida. It's like it's the sun. It's got to be the sun. It's, it's weird, man. There's some weird stuff going on down there. And you always hear about how crazy racist Australians are. And so, yeah. So if you want to go into the, 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 the depths of, of just like trash TV, watch that Australian version of this show. Like, you know, Arlen's talking about like, oh, the process and, you know, how they, you know, she, she sort of led on to like how, you know, when it works, how wholesome the American version is. Oh no, the Australian version is like just pure, just dumpster fire, just carnage. It's carnage. It's some of the stuff that's going on in this show. I'm just like, I can't watch this anymore. This is a mess. So, anyways, yeah. So I've been watching that. Does it make it more or less tolerable with the accents? No, it makes it worse. Ugh, ugh, the accents and <laughs> here and just the way that they just talk. Just ugh, it's ugh, it's rough. It is rough. It is rough. Okay. So I've been watching that. So yeah, if you feel like if you feel like you want to see that America's not so bad, watch that because it made me have a little faith in the fact that yeah, you know, in America we're not as awful as people want to say we are. The second thing that I did. Do you think? Do you yeah. think is is Australia the Florida of the oceanic region? Oh, a hundred percent, absolutely. Okay. Because um, I would say that there's a like New Zealand has its moments in some places, but Australia just as a whole, like it's it's the sun. It's a bit of like the plastic surgery culture and just the like mm. the the didn't know that it's it's got a bit of like frat boy in it as well of like drinking culture and stuff that you see kind of in the UK, but then you mix sun and and blonde hair and blue eyes. It's just a mess. It's a mess. Hmm. Um, all right. All right. So that's well, enough of that. <laughs> Australia, defend yourself. Yeah, I mean, please, because I'm I'm close enough. And I was like, Australia might it's made me second guess whether or not I ever want to live in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's unfair, but to be wow. fair, but to be fair, Damn. right? How, how much how much nonsense do we hear as Americans about America's a mess? I look at all these things with America. Look at your president, yada yada yada. Uh, Australians cannot talk, as far as I'm concerned. Out of all the white people in the world, the Australians are the ones who need to shut up because <laughs> what's happening over there in their country it looks a lot like what you see in the southern of the United States. So I'm sure right you go to Sydney and you go to some of these big metropolitan cities and there's coffee shops and hipsters like there is in New York and San Francisco fine. But what's happening in some of these outskirts of these towns looks an awful lot like Nebraska and Oklahoma and Ohio 
and Florida as far as I'm concerned. So don't pretend that, oh, Australia is this higher class of society. Get out of here. Y'all like trash just like Americans do. It's like the Kardashians, but stamped like over and over and over and over again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Australians defend yourself because you're a lot of Australians talking trash. You need to ask Dingle this. All these Australians talking trash about America. He should come take a look at his own country. That place is a dumpster fire. All right, I'll see. I'll see what I can do. I'll look into getting some uh, some Australia, uh, at least one Australian on to defend their stuff. Yeah, because it's a mess. Think, again, I'm, I'm close to, to it now. It. You can't pretend that this doesn't happen, right? I'm 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 here, and I'm close enough to it. And yeah, it's a it's a mess. So now I want to make sure that if this happens, you solely use Married at First Sight Australia edition as your citation of what all their problems are. Studying. Oh, 100 percent, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like from the plastic surgery to the fact that there's no brown people on this show; it's just a bunch of white people. Um, it's very weird. It's very odd. And the accent. Well, you know, you're in the sun. You get tan enough. And they might say, "Yeah, it's close enough." Yeah. That's right. All right. So, what's the movie? So, I watched White Tiger. Have you heard about this movie? Yeah, it's like an Indian movie, right? It is. It's an Indian movie. It's like gangster movie, like an Indian gangster. Uh, movie. kind of. It's about sort of this got rich. Tons of gangster. I mean, it's about the caste system in India, basically, right? How like you've got just like different. I mean. You've got Indian people, but even within India, there's, you know, major racism and classism as far as you can't go from one class to the next, right? Like you're kind oh, yeah. of it's always built held to down. their religion. Yeah. So there's basically this this kid who comes from this really poor area and this really rich kind of crime family, so to speak, who's kind of extorting this village and taking money from the people there, right? So he tries to sort of work his way up this system. And it kind of goes through his journey as in he's a servant and very happily a servant. And then he slowly kind of realizes that, you know, this isn't, you know, like this, there's, how do I get out of this system? How do I break out of this? Um, I enjoyed it. There's moments where it's a little jokey. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, I wouldn't say that it was an entertaining watch. I suggest that you watch it. Um, But it, to me, it was something that you kind of watch it and it didn't make me think so deep about, oh, God, imagine what's, you know, this system that we really need to get rid of. But I thought it was really well done. Um, Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, I watched now before we get into the Godzilla stuff, I did watch something as well. I watched the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. <laughs> I don't know how you did it. The, the four I watched it over the course of three days. Oh man. It is four hours. It is six. I'm gonna say seven parts. All right. Because you got the six parts, and then you have the epilogue, which runs for like 15 minutes on its own. Uh so I watched parts one, two. What did I watch? I think I watched parts one and two. Then I watched three, four, five, then I watched six and epilogue. Ugh. Those that was how I broke it up. The, the Jesus. Days. Honestly, didn't hate it. Don't know if I loved it. Enjoyed it. Was definitely a thing that exists. It's way better than the Whedon cut because it actually, you know, makes sense in this sub weird, wacky way. The but Whedon cut. <laughs> I mean, I I heard or the Whedon cut. I don't know. In, in so, I heard it described on a podcast as a uh, as an art piece, and I think that's the best way to describe it because it's look. You can't have a four hour movie. You can't just cheat and be like, look, I I made the story make sense. See, it's four and it's like four hours. Now it makes sense. Meanwhile, you you can't cut this thing down to 
I don't I don't know how you cut this thing down to two hours, maybe three hours, because there's a lot of slow motion. I think IGN did the count and they said like, you know, 10% of the movie is in slow motion, which is weird. Um, it's excessively used, but there there is some cool shit in here. And some of it's really bizarre. Uh, it doesn't really make sense in continuity, like the like some of the th- rules that they follow here with the uh, with the Atlantis stuff is inconsistent with Aquaman itself. So they clearly deviated, being like, "All right, well, I guess the waiting cuts the the that's that's the one we're going on here." Like uh, Amber Heard speaks in a it's in a completely different accent in this that she speaks in the other. <laughs> Um, he also teases this thing like it's still going to be the first part of this trilogy where there's I, I, I honestly at this point, I think it's possible that you will see this continue in some form, even if it is in this miniseries. But like what's interesting is I don't really hate any aspects of it. I think it's interesting, but I, I don't if I don't know who I'd recommend this to. is the the weird part you know like if you're if you're a comic book dc fan do you recommend it to them like people who maybe yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah if you if you're into this stuff but i i guess i really like the marvel stuff because of how fun it is yeah the dc stuff's never that fun i mean aquaman was fun but that's probably one of the only ones like even the latest wonder woman movie i mean i know that we i bagged it specifically but it wasn't fun either like it's one thing if it's like yeah, yeah it's fine but it's just kind of dumb it tried to be fun yeah. and it sucked <laughs> so yeah exactly cuz it was so totally inconsistent but the yeah i it's better than wonder woman I'd say in the DC pantheon, Aquaman is still the best because let's be real. Aquaman is just a perfect movie. Like that's, that's easily top five movies of all time, right? Aquaman. But after that, I still think the best one is in my opinion. I, I like man of steel, um, especially like the first three quarters of it, which are, which are, I think are excellent. Um, I think Shazam is overall like a solid movie and then, and wonder woman, like those four, are the ones that stand out to me and everything else is bad. <laughs> like everything else is bad and this isn't a movie so you can't qualify it. It's just this thing. Cuz out of this universe, like, right? There's not a Batman movie in this universe. Right, cuz they introduced him in Batman versus Superman. Yes. Yeah, so there's not a Batman is, movie, there's not a Flash movie. It's basically Aquaman, Wonder Woman. There is a Flash movie that's still coming out. But as far as we understand, Ben Affleck's Batman is done. And what's unfortunate about it is that I enjoy Ben Affleck in this role. And I love Jeremy Irons as this more active Alfred, like piloting drones and being in the fight, you know, like being the guy in the chair. Like, I dig it. I dig that stuff. I mean, even and I like I like Henry Cavill as as Superman. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like like, even like Jared Leto's Joker is kind of unnecessary right yeah but he gets a big part at the end of this movie (laughs) for no reason yeah just to tee up the next one and it's super unsettling super creepy but you get to think oh here's another interpretation of the joker that's pretty good i guess but it's just it's too self-serious it's so like self-masturbatory which is that's josh uh, i mean that's sorry josh that's zach snyder Snyder. though that's who he is oh totally like that's just and he's never gonna stop doing that which is why they kind of booted him off of doing the first movie (laughs) it's just like look bro we're not making a no he left he 
he left because of personal stuff. Sure. No, he didn't leave because of that. Sure. He, his kid died. Sure. But at the same time, it's probably a bit of both of, hey, here's a good here's a good time for us to get out of this thing. And yeah, please go take time for your family, right? Like normally that's a because yeah, yeah let's, like let's get the guy who did Avengers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of my point though. Like it's just this is just who he is. This is how he makes movies, and it's fine. Um, but I don't really have too much of an interest in, in watching it. I watched the first one on a flight and that was enough for me, right? Steppenwolf and all this nonsense. Like I'm good. Yeah. Like he, at least step Steppenwolf also makes more sense in this movie. Like everything about this thing makes more sense than the Waden movie. And, but Steppenwolf looks like a pug. He looks like a sad pug the entire time. Look at, look at Steppenwolf's face in this thing. And I honestly felt bad for him because I'm like, this guy just looks sad. He looks upset. He looks like he doesn't want to be doing this just because he's sad. He's like doing this out of obligation. Like, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for the dude and then he gets his head cut off at the end. So it's, you know, it's depressing. Also, yeah, straight up, like I'm going to spoil it because who gives a shit? Uh, Wonder Woman straight up cuts Steppenwolf's head off in this yeah. <laughs> at the end of this movie. Like, it is wild. <laughs> there is it is way more intense than uh, than the other version of this movie. I mean, they rated it R. I don't. And and also Wonder Woman straight up killing people in the scene. Like this, <laughs> there is so much over the top batshit stuff in this movie. It, it's. It, <laughs> I don't know. I'd recommend you watch it just because Ugh. it's it's just a thing that if you are fully out of content, check it out. But I mean, if you're in for DC fans, absolutely. Because I also think I didn't understand half of what happens like Martian Manhunters in this movie. One, I don't know who that is. Two, they don't explain who that is. <laughs> Three, he's also teased as like he'll be in the next one, but there's not going to be a next one. So it's a. <laughs> It's just completely pointless. Like they just tack on these things. And I'm like, who is that guy? But if you're a DC fan, it's basically, you know what it's like? Here's the best way I could explain it. It's like they put all the after, like those, those post-credit stingers in from Marvel movies that you know will be explained later. But fans are like, oh my God, that beast of target's going to be, oh my God, could you believe it? It's like those things are in this movie and you get about, 10 of them in the span of this four hour thing. And there's no explanation whatsoever. And I don't think they would ever explain it at any point. So for fans, yeah, they'd probably lose their mind seeing all this stuff on screen. And I get it. But for the normies and I'm one of them, I feel like about maybe 20% of this thing went over my head and the other 80% I'm like, I enjoy this. And there's a really cool moment with the Flash at the end, which is which is some pretty dope payoff. Hmm. Oh, and Cyborg is actually a character, and uh, that in this versus the last movie, I, I just think it's ridiculous that the 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 thing that everybody's chasing are things called mother boxes, <laughs> which is ridiculous. <laughs> there's nothing cool about the mother box. Nothing, nothing, yeah. nothing at all. Meanwhile, like look at look at the thing that they were chasing at Endgame. The Infinity Gauntlet. That sounds badass, right? You got these dope gems and this crazy ass glove that that's going on this this guy. It's like you spend you spend like what is it twenty movies chasing these things, constantly playing a role, and then they all finally coalesce into this one thing. It's like that's dope. That's world building. This time, three mother boxes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, okay. I'm I'm good for now. <laughs> it's dumb. It's a dumb movie. 
dumb, dumb thing, but Hey, you know, God bless it. I'm happy. It, I'm happy this exists and it, and I'm happy for anybody who said this cut exists because here it is. I don't know if you'd call it a cut, so to speak, because it's four hours long. Yeah. That's not a cut. What, cut. what, what did he yeah, cut? <laughs> no cutting. If anything, he added, he yeah. added another Martian Manhunter scene at the end. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's the added, it's the uncut. It's so weird. So. All right. Let's talk about Godzilla versus Kong. Yes. What'd you think of this movie? Um, so, right, if we're going to rank all of the the monster universe, the Godzilla yeah, monster so universe, right? Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, yep. Godzilla King of the Monsters, and then Godzilla versus Kong. So, for me, it's else. Kong Skull Island is number one. Absolutely. By a mile. By a long shot, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would put this at number two. Mm-hmm. And then I would put the first Godzilla and then... King of the Monsters was a terrible movie, so that's at the end. It's, it's awful. So, so bad. bad. So bad. I can't believe how bad that movie is. And for no real reason to be bad either. Like, there's no reason for that movie to be bad. It just is. Yeah. Um. So, look, this movie, Um. there's parts of this movie that I absolutely love, right? Like, yeah, the whole, I'm with you. The whole fight on the, between... Godzilla. And- oh, we're going to spoil this movie, by the oh, way. Yeah, so so yeah, anybody yeah. who's listening, who uh, who doesn't, who's not going to, who hasn't watched it and wants to watch it, look, just skip this. So, but um, every but, fight, but it's free on, but it's on HBO Max, so you go watch it, come back. Yeah, but there's nothing to really spoil. No, because I mean you there is some gonna, stuff to spoil. There's, there's a big, there's a big reveal at the end yes. and a secret foe that you kind of that you know is going to be there, but yes. you don't know what it is. But when you do find out who it is, you're like, oh shit, it's that thing yeah then you get really hyped so if you don't want that surprise spoiled then go uh then go watch it and uh and it's short it's like less than two hours which is wonderful um but yeah go watch it then come back so and and my 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 recommendation is you watch it so the problem with these movies is always that there's a story (laughs) yeah the people i told you this is what i was saying i was worried watching the trailer because i was like who's this little girl who's that hot girl there's too many people in this and i just watched king of the monsters and this thing's gonna suck because they got too many goddamn people well they brought millie bobby brown back and don't know why and the dude from friday night lights i never know his name i just he's coach from friday night lights and it just the story just kind of gets in the way of what you want to see and i think they kind of know that right because yeah. it's almost like those those story pits in between are kind of just good places for you to take a nap <laughs> and wait for the for the real monster stuff to come back in so all right so my my favorite fight so i just want to rank my fights in this movie right so the first fight is basically they've got Kong inside of this inside of this chamber that makes it look like he's back on Skull Island and he's throwing he's throwing you know tree limbs at the thing because <laughs> he's mad. Yeah, as like he's turning, he's just one swipe of the hand. Yes, turning tree limbs into spears. Yes, and throwing them at, them this, at this big this dome digital dome. And at the same in time, Truman Truman Show style. Yeah. At the same time, they just kind of unexplicably explain that Godzilla is he's a terrible monster and he's tearing everything apart. <laughs> Which is what I love, because they kind of explain it later, but it's just the fact that it's just like, oh yeah, Godzilla's pissed and he's and he's tearing up Japan again. It's like, why? And so they're like, well, Apex. and they just keep sort of explaining, like, hey, there's two alphas, and he's looking for Kong, because there can only be one alpha. <laughs> So they kind of put Kong on this boat. So Kong's kind of got a handler and she's like, oh, but, you know, I don't want to put him at risk. Anyways, they obviously convince her at some point, just like, hey, you're going to do this. She's like, "Okay, 
So they got Kong on this boat, on this barge. He's chained up. It's raining. The little girl is out there trying to be friends with Kong. And Kong can sign language like he's Caesar from Planet of the Apes. (laughs) So it's all good. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, God, Godzilla found us. And that battle alone, right, when Kong is kind of changed up to this thing, and Godzilla is tearing up all these boats, and the guy lets Kong loose, this, this to me, made me miss movie theaters. Yeah. That moment right there when all the chains release out of him and Kong's free and he kind of starts to swim around. And I'm like, oh, that's the movement in the movie theater. When you get the guy in the background who starts to yell at the screen and you're kind of with him. (laughs) Right? Oh, shit. You mean one of those guys? One of those guys. Exactly. (laughs) That guy. I was missing that guy in my living room. (laughs) You could have been that guy. I could have. But I'm not that guy. So anyways, that that battle is great because it is just and again, like it's not so much Godzilla in this movie. And I think that's what I realized that Godzilla, because Godzilla is not really able to emote. No, right. Like no, they, the way they not built not Godzilla, you can barely see he its snarls. eyes. It's just no. like scales and snarling and little beady lizard eyes. But Kong has he gives you the whole range of emotion from like anger Love, to joy character. to sadness. Like he's great. Right, and who's ever doing the mocap for Kong? Maybe it's Andy Serkis still. <laughs> it's great. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. It's great because you've got all of that facial expression from Kong, and so Kong and Godzilla are fighting, and they're kind of fighting, but they're kind of just rolling around a bit, right? So that's the first battle, and then it kind of goes on, and they kind of explain the story of like, hey, there's some energy source in the middle of the Earth. And you come to find out, hey, Godzilla and Kong, their people have been fighting each other for the last X amount of years, right? And Godzilla kind of finds this, or sorry, Kong kind of finds this axe that's made out of the out of the spear of one of whatever the the Godzillas of of former past. <laughs> and so that is my favorite fight: is when Godzilla finds Kong and basically shoots radiation to the center of the Earth, right? Yeah. Like that whole scene where he basically he basically shoots his beam down the hole <laughs> that's the center of the earth and then they fight in hong kong i love everything about that scene the colors the way that it looks kong basically not really being able to fight against godzilla because they're not equals godzilla tears kong apart multiple times in this movie where kong is kind of us he's just a monkey he's just a big monkey and he's just a big monkey who kind of has a spear and who kind of has an axe and a weapon He's kind of running around and fighting this nuclear, you know, this nuclear lizard. And Kong just isn't really able to win where Godzilla kind of puts his foot on his chest multiple times. And they scream at each other and they're snarling. It's great. It's great. It's like watching Tyson Holyfield. (laughs) That's what it is. It's like you're watching two heavyweights fight. You're kind of like, you know, there's only one winner and it's us at the end of the day. Um, so look, again, I just, my short review of this is that the story gets in the way. The story is basically, I'm going to spoil this because the story, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. The story is basically Apex is building this Mecha Godzilla using nuclear radiation from the center of the earth and it's pissing Godzilla off and he's trying to find it. And at the meantime, it sort of comes at the expense that Kong has always fought against this giant monster like from history and he's kind of destroying his home, right? This whole hollow earth thing is kind of where Kong belongs. And like, that's the story. So this dude in apex, this villain builds, you know, Mecha Godzilla 
that's this big robotic Godzilla. And so this robot, right? This robot. Oh my God. Yeah. So this, I'm so happy that they did not spoil this in the trailer. I'm happy that they didn't spoil it too because I mean they that, tried to. It was an amazing reveal. It was an amazing reveal. It is because I'm watching the trailer now and you see parts of Mecha Godzilla, right? Like it's this big mechanical Godzilla, and basically Godzilla's not smart enough to fight this machine. But that's where Kong kind of comes in, is realizing like, oh yeah, you know, I'm smarter than both these stupid things. I'm gonna sort of we're gonna team up together and we're gonna sort of you know, buddy cop this thing back to back. And the the best scene of this movie is when Godzilla rips the head off of that thing and starts to beat his chest with its head in its hand. And it's like, yeah, this movie, this movie made me miss movie theaters. That's it. Cause you, I wanted to see now again, I'm one who's been like, Oh, it doesn't really matter. It's a movie. I miss that watching this with full surround sound, watching it with the scale of these monsters I would say the reason why movie theaters exist is for this movie. Yeah. Like it's for this movie. Yeah, the blockbuster. It's the blockbuster. It's yeah, this. The it's the story doesn't matter. It's dumb. The humans kind of get in the way. And I'm, yeah, I'm watching this thing where Godzilla shoots this radiation, this nuclear blast and Kong jumps through the air with an ax. <laughs> it's like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. So yeah, my, I miss movie theaters is what this movie made me realize. I miss movie theaters and I don't need a story. I could have just watched them fight for an hour and a half. I would have paid for it. I would have paid to sit in a seat with a drink and a popcorn and just watch this happen. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I really, I enjoyed it. I think my ranking of all the movies. Yeah. Kong skull Island, definitely number one. I think the original Godzilla, the first Godzilla movie good. that kicked this all off. I think it's just a better movie as a whole. Yeah. But this one is probably more rewatchable and fun because it gets to the point faster. Now, there are issues because 20 minutes into this movie, you still don't see nothing happens. Yeah. Nothing happens in the first 20 Takes minutes too of this long. movie. And I was really concerned. But when you pass the first hour, then like the second half is all monster shit. I and mean, that's, it's, that's what you're looking I'm, I'm watching the trailer again and literally watching Kong scream at the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like he's screaming at the ocean. And it's like, you wanted that from the beginning. And you're right. It takes you 30 minutes to get Kong screaming at the ocean to get Godzilla to come to surface. Now, some stuff did surprise me. The uh, I was surprised how endearing I found this little girl's relationship with Godzilla. But with, that's uh, also Kong. weird because like she was it. going to the center of the earth and stuff. Like I feel like there's some child endangerment things going on here. Oh, little, absolutely, absolutely. Rebecca Hall here. is a yeah. Rebecca Hall is an awful uh, parent. She's an awful like, guardian sure. of this girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's not doing a very good job. But there's too many characters. We did not need Millie yeah. Bobby Brown back too much, just so she could pour just just so the dude from uh, Hump for the Wilder People can pour alcohol on this yeah on this yeah thing. yeah, that yeah. Was, like it's, it's completely many, pointless and then, and then even um even dude from atlanta um i always forget his name it's brian something um the black guy who plays the brian tyree Henry, oh, yeah. that right? whole that whole trio didn't need to be there. that his whole existence in this movie while i'm happy to see him getting roles right you're happy for him and you want him to succeed he's unnecessary in this movie i don't need him here like I don't Lance need Riddick him. shows up for 10 seconds. Yeah. 10 yeah, yeah, seconds yeah, yeah. Lance, Lance Reddick showed up. Yeah, Lance Reddick totally does show up in this. Yeah, there's just all of these weird like I don't need these people. Like you just yeah. don't need these human beings in this movie to try and build a story around it because at the end of the day nobody re- I'm not here for the story. I'm here to watch Godzilla and Kong fight Mecha Godzilla. That's it. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. 
Now it did. I do really. This is definitely a Kong movie, which is interesting. Um, that they that it's Godzilla versus Kong. I would have made. I would have given Kong first first billing because yeah. this is definitely a King Kong movie. They should have just made and, this King of the Monsters. Really, like this is what this movie was. Yeah. Where the other one you was like Godzilla and yeah. Friends. Oh yeah, Dude, I forgot to how? say that the other thing was it was powered by the one of the heads of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> By Ghidorah. Of Ghidorah. Yeah, but how cool like would one it of Ghidorah's been? heads is like, we've got the head of Ghidorah. This is what allows us to do this. It's like, why are we building imagine, this stupid story? Yeah, imagine an alternate universe, right? Where this movie came out before that one, and that one was Kong and Godzilla teaming up against all these other monsters. Like, give me that movie. Yes, where they're back Because like, they end this thing, and they're not like, they're not friends, but they got that mutual respect. And I think they realize, hey, guys, we're better together, you know? And then all of a sudden, boom, you got you got this dynamic duo where it's like, look, you get, you get that half. I got this half, all right? You cover the white people. I cover the Asian people. And then we're yeah. good, all right? Now stay the fuck out of my way. And then all of a sudden, you get this crazy-ass three-headed monster showing up. And then, boom, what happens? We got to team up. Buddy, I need some help. Get on the phone. We need you. Text message, smiley emoji. Come over here. I need help. Fire, 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 fire. Fire, fire, dragon, whatever. Yeah. But And that's the thing is that it's completely predictable, which is great, right? Like even the dialogue is predictable where they're just like, oh, you know, they're basically saying, well, there could only be one alpha. And then like even the battling and the thing that <laughs> Alice is like, you watch too many of these movies. Because like when they're fighting Mechagodzilla, right? And, you know, they're starting to tag team him kind of like they did, kind of like Hobbs and Shaw at the end, right? That's what that's what it reminded me of, of like oh, Hobbs yeah. and Shaw fighting uh, fighting um, Idris Elba at the end. It was basically what this was, right? It's like, oh, yeah, it's like the mechanized thing versus the two guys who don't really get along, but they're they're going to do it for the sake of winning. Yeah. And so the whole thing Power where like the axe, he blasts the but, axe but, but that's the thing, exactly. He blasts the and I I I called. I'm sitting there, I go, Oh yeah, Godzilla's gonna shoot the beam at the axe, he's gonna charge it up. And Alice kind of looks, I'm like, watch, give it, give it two minutes. And it's it, like four key, like that's exactly what happened. I was like, we've watched too many. It's like the same thing with Iron Man and a Captain America, right? You shoot the yeah, beam. But you, and you, but, but you want, you want it. it. But you want it. But you want it. And you want it. Yeah. And you need it in the yeah. story. And that's why yeah. we're at the point where it's like, I didn't need you to give me all of this context. Like, I'm not, we've all seen enough of these movies at this point, whether it's Marvel, whether it's DC, whether it's anything else that we're doing, whether it's Fast and the Furious franchise, right? This story is not new of two alpha males <laughs> or two alpha things joining together for the sake of saving us all. And that's what this movie is, and they spent too much time, like you said, the humans got in the way. So this could have been perfect. I understand you need some humans. You kind of just need less of them. Like Lance Riddick, yeah, sorry, buddy, you don't I, need to be in this movie. <laughs> you don't need prob- to be. There's probably a lot of Lance Riddick, uh, Riddick uh, stuff just like chilling on the cutting room floor. Like I don't think he just showed up for 10 seconds. I don't think he really wanted to be in this movie no. for that, that much time. No. So yeah, I'm I don't know where this goes from here. I think um, they're done. Yeah, because I I believe that the rights of Godzilla are up, right? Like they kind of get these rights from um what's the name of the studio? Toho. Toho. Yeah. So they get the rights from Toho. But I would be happy to keep seeing Kong movies personally. To me, what they've done with Kong over these last two installments of movies that he's been in is way better than what I mean the Peter Jackson movie right Kong was fine but way too long of a movie way too much story 
this is like we like that whole skull island like all of that movie is so great where they basically get into it like they're flying to vietnam they're flying through the jungle it's like a vietnam thing right and then kong starts throwing trees at helicopters and we're in and we kind of just need that at this point godzilla is an interesting one because godzilla is great but there's not much around godzilla like there's not we don't need a story we just want to see him fight Ghidorah and fight rodan and that's kind of it and we've now done that We've seen that for three movies. Mm-hmm. So now we're done. I, I'm good not watching. I got everything I needed out of Godzilla at this point. There's nothing left. Yeah, but I'm I'm with you. I think Kong, they they developed like, and, and props to Jordan Vogt Roberts who really kicked it off with that movie because. Great. It's such a great movie. I, Skull Island Kong, is Kong such Skull a great Island movie. is so cool and yeah. such a unique take on that character. The way, I mean, never, and that's there's, another there's movie. There's no other there's no other monster movie like that. But that's another right? movie like, that also has a crazy star-studded cast, right? And you say, well, yeah, but oh, they're all together. But they're together. There's one plot. Yeah, there's one plot driving yeah. things forward. And, and that's it's the not it's like a better a, movie. Yeah. You got all the I mean, look, you got Tom Hiddleston, Sam Jackson, John Goodman, Brie Larson. Brie Larson, yeah. I mean, um John C. John Riley. C. Riley, yeah. You look at that. That's five top billing stars at this point, right? And they're all, like you said, they're all in it together. It's a story where it isn't, let's let's zoom around the world in different locations and confuse the viewer. It's, we're coming to the island, we're coming for Kong, and Kong thinks differently. And that's it. And that's all you need. So I, I hope we make more of these movies with just Kong. I don't need, Godzilla versus Kong, it was good. It scratched that, it scratched that Civil War itch. But I don't need it again. Like Samuel Jackson made Kong Skull Island of just being the basically like the antagonist against Kong. Like, how great is that? Yeah. And he was yeah. a better was, he was a better adversary yeah. to me than Godzilla. Godzilla was more fun. Fine. We get more monsters and stuff. But just the storytelling around Kong is so much better done than Godzilla's storytelling is. And for whatever reason, I don't know whether it's just because Toho has a say in all of this stuff and they just, it's more about showing Godzilla, but there's no, not. Toho, you know, I don't think Toho has any say. Neither do I. There's no connection with Godzilla, but they put so much emotion into Kong. I just think like that's, that's where this story lies. I hope we keep making more Kong movies, but you're right. We might be done with this. Yeah, I think I think there's done. There's no other. There's nothing on the wiki that's showing there's future plans. Although this is this movie is now the highest grossing movie in the pandemic. It's actually doing pretty decent. I think it's going to make over fifty million dollars over the weekend, yeah. which is pretty good if you consider that combined with whatever they got from the HBO Max deal. I think uh, I think they'll do okay because uh, I guess King of the Monsters was a disappointment, but that was also a bad movie and it deserves disappointment. Yeah, it's a bad movie. So, <laughs> it's a bad, and again, I really like these movies, but that movie was awful. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, uh, I think this this is a fun one. It was good. I did laugh out loud from the Hollow Earth thing. Because <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. That's one, of my, yes. that's one of my favorite conspiracy theories. Our Hollow Earth is still, a, a .com is still up. You can go there and see and see the truth of the Hollow Earth. I was a bit disappointed that there was no Nazis because there's apparently Nazis in the Hollow Earth, and they refuse to acknowledge that part, or any aliens that also have that like that take you to the center of the Earth. But whatever, this is just interpretation. You know, they don't they don't want to deliver the facts. I get it. I get it. I get it. I also but, think hey, that God. Thing. I think the reason why I'm just down on Godzilla is I still hate the design. Like, like chunky, 
chonky Godzilla. Yeah, like Kong looks like an apex predator, right? He's a big monkey. Like he looks like a big monkey, and he does a bit of the. There's a bit of again. It's just the humanity in Kong, which is weird to say, but it's just like the, there's enough expression in the way that he fights. Yeah, he emotes. He emotes. It's just and Godzilla just doesn't. <laughs> it's just a big fat lizard. But Kong is like Kong is like stretching his neck and he's like rolling his shoulders and it's just like oh man I'm rooting for Kong, um, yeah it it kind of just makes me want to watch the fight scenes again which I might go do. <laughs> yeah, they're on HBO Max, so you just go go watch them. Yeah, I just want a supercut of Kong fighting. Um, because yeah, I mean, but look, I thought it looked good. I mean, from just from a visual standpoint, the whole fight in Hong Kong I thought was awesome. Um, yeah. The colors, the neon uh, slamming into the buildings, like it was just very well done. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, real quick. Falcon and Winter Soldier, you caught up? Not caught up. I haven't watched All the right. latest episode. All right, we'll pick it up next week. Uh, I do want to quickly touch on some games here. Um, I finished Prey. Excellent game. Excellent, excellent, excellent game. Snooze on it for too long. I apologize to anybody that I offended for doing so. But that game is phenomenal. Highly recommend it. It's on Xbox Game Pass. And uh, the optimizations for Series X basically makes it feel like a current generation game. Love it. Um, Also played through Genesis Noir, which I don't really know how to categorize that game. You want to talk about an art piece? That's that's that one. Basically, it's all in black and white until it isn't and there is it's it's closer to like a point and click adventure game and then there's all these little mini games involved there's very easy puzzles to solve and it tells this story about a guy who basically you you go into this woman's apartment she's getting shot by this guy and like the blast is like this enormous like thing that looks like a bunch of stars and galaxies and you're basically investigating this to try to stop the uh to try to stop the murder or figure out the murder but it's all in it's all this allegory for the for the big bang simultaneously so it's super trippy super weird it's got an awesome soundtrack this like really jazzy uh funky soundtrack and uh the visuals are a trip uh, it just gets more and more crazy at the end. Um, but it, it, it's unlike anything I've ever played before. And again, it it just shows that Game Pass is one of the best things going on in gaming right now. Because that's a game that I think costs 15 bucks. It's on every platform. You can buy for $15. Or on Game Pass, it's, it's just there. And for a three and a half hour experience, it's perfect. Play that for a couple days, then you go on to the next thing. And I... I I highly recommend the playthrough. I think I think you particular would uh, would get a kick out of it just because of how unique and interesting it is. Uh, I, I sent you the trailer to it uh, a while back. Yeah. It's worth the uh, it's worth it. Ch- it's it's worth a playthrough. I think um, even if you're paying the cost of admission, look, that's a movie ticket would cost ten bucks, uh, ten to fifteen dollars anyway. You're talking about something that's longer than a movie. And uh, yeah, you're you're not going to play it again once you're through it, but it's uh, it's a trip, it's a trip. So just wanted to talk about that one. Yeah, so that's it. That's it. I mean, we could talk about Monster Hunter, but I'd rather I'd rather go and play it. Yeah. So what do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So he's abroad.com. Go there, find the links to iTunes and any other podcasts that 
you subscribe to. You can uh, get us on there. If you are on iTunes, we would encourage a review. Those help. Uh, five stars preferably. But if you just want to be honest and give us some criticism, then uh, you know you can do that too. I guess whatever. But the, the five stars would be good. Even if you give five, even if you have bad things to say, you have five stars. You put the bad things in there. We'll see it. We'll read it. We'll acknowledge it. We might fix it. We might. Might. Keyword. Um, and until next time, this podcast is over. <laughs>